You know, we come up here as a collective band and we give and we give and you just fucking want more and you know what, you deserve it. <laughs> and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. Everybody, once again, welcome to the Live on Four Legs Live Pearl Jam Podcast Experience. You're here. It's February. Uh, you probably can't go outside if it's winter out. If it's nice out, then it, I hope you're enjoying yourself and you're listening to the podcast outdoors because that's something you can't do in the freezing ice up here in the Northeast. But we'll we'll get to territory in in, in a second and and uh, and how weather kind of defined the last 24 hours for for myself and how we're lucky that that this is even coming out in time not even for yourself for for the podcast we weren't sure if we were even going to be able to record this this week no uh we it almost, was kind of a we almost pushed had to push it a week it was a last minute decision i i, I and i'll get it i'll get we'll get into all that but uh uh let's just talk first let's tell them what we're doing um it is our second installment of our Madison Square Garden series that we'll be doing this whole entire year. One Madison Square Garden episode per month. And uh, since it's February, this is night two, 1998, which uh, everybody seems to remember with fond, fond, fond memories. Um, and this is going to be a fun one to cover, a very difficult one to cover um it's highly regarded as one of the all-time great shows and from a perspective of somebody that wasn't going to shows in 1998 both of our perspectives we it's very difficult to put ourselves and we've said this a billion times that you know maybe are we more of a bootleg podcast than we are uh, a live podcast be just because we're we're cover that's what we're covering we're covering bootlegs so uh you know because we didn't we weren't at the show we didn't get to experience what the people at the show experienced so that you know when when you have the weight of people saying how good of a show this was ranking you know Quotes like, this ranks as my favorite of all time, it, this ranks as their best of all time. That's that's a lot of, they're putting a lot of weight on, on our shoulders to to put together something special for this show. Yeah, that's, that's first-hand experience too, because 
uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people will say that it isn't, and they might say a show that they had gone to was the best of all time, and and you could probably get a bunch of people to band together and say, yeah, that show was way better than this MSG show. So it all depends on the personal experience, and the I think the good news is that we. We were both reading a lot of comments about personal experiences about that show, so we're about this show. So I think that's the good thing that we could bring into this, and we could back up why people are are saying that about this show while also giving our opinion on it of the bootleg and of the uh, song placements, which is what we do on this show. So hopefully we could kind of hit the best of both worlds accurately from all sides and give a... Uh, an honest opinion of somebody listening and critiquing, and then also cover other people's opinion that uh, who were actually there. That's that's kind of my goal for this show. This is a very hard one. Yeah, uh, extremely difficult. Like I said, you know, when when somebody pegs this as the greatest of all time, you have a little, you know, you have to either prove or disprove the theory. Yeah, you know, you, know, you kind of get a. A little bit of like an eye roll moment, like yeah, okay, you know, because you get a. This uh, is this you, is also New Yorkers who <laughs> embellish everything. You know, the the Yankees are the greatest team of all time. Yeah, that that's probably more. I, I think also as New Yorkers, though we we tend to roll our eyes a lot more than other people do too. So very we, true. We are we are super critical going in of basically everything, and and especially things that people say are the greatest of all time, but. Uh, we also have to look at it exactly that way as New Yorkers, and this was another MSG show, and I think we're going to give credit where credit is is maybe not always due, simply for the fact that we have been to MSG a million times, and yes, it is the greatest place in the whole world. So we might be biased a little bit, as well as trying to be super honest at the same time. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think the first episode that we did, uh, which was the night before this, um, you know, it was super understandably disappointing because uh, the band just didn't bring it that night. But what was disappointing about that was because it's MSG and they didn't bring it. But really, you know, if you want to say that that was the precursor to what tonight, you know, today's episode would be. I'm saying tonight as in the next night, um, which is it's very eerie. This was exactly three years before this was on 9 11, uh, 1998. So, exactly three years before, which is eerie, uh, but not something we'll talk about. Uh, you know, I just. There's a lot of differences between the, the two of those shows, and I, 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 I think that this is really. This night two was really their. Uh, coming out party, maybe not just for New York, but maybe just for all time. This is where, you know, I think Eddie said it best in the first show, you ain't shit until you play the garden. And um, maybe they were shit the, uh, on night one. And maybe this was really their garden debut. Who knows? That could be debated. That could be talked about. But, you know, the band has said multiple times that they weren't feeling the energy of night one. You definitely weren't feeling the crowd from night one you know even in our remarks and comments from night one people were talking mostly about night two so there you know this was this is a legendary show and we're going to treat it as such we're going to try and do our best to figure out how to 
paint the picture and replay these memories in your mind. Uh, you know, and that that's that's all we can do. I mean, we this is for all shows we can do it, but this this isn't Barcelona '96 where we can kind of get away with things like okay, you know, the set works here and the set works there. Uh, the energy is going to be a lot different for this show, and I hope that that's what we can recapture. Yeah, and at the same time, which was really difficult for me as a bit of a foreshadowing here, getting into the headspace of the fans, and and especially the time period is important with a show like this because listening back to a show from 1998, which isn't exactly you know in our wheelhouse of current-day Pearl Jam shows and what they've become... Uh, this could read as a very plain Jane show, and you have to think past that, which was pretty difficult for me as just a, a listener, you know. So I tried to watch the video a few times. I tried to listen in the car, and I really tried to think of the time period and and what they were doing, and listen to the crowd reactions, which are really fantastic in the show. So. Yeah, man, this one, this one kind of—I don't want to say it stressed me out a little bit, but I was—I <laughs> I was a little stressed out about it. I didn't really know I was, what I was going to talk about. I was very stressed out about it, and this is this will kind of lead to to my story and why this episode almost never came to be this week. Um, so, all right, so I went to I went down to Orlando, uh, uh, left on Friday, and I got back. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I got back at four o'clock in this morning. Yeah. Um, so, Randy, there, there, there are two major pros to this time of year. One, it is five o'clock and it, the sun is still out. Yes. Two, spring training started. Hey, that's what I like to hear. But a major con, which you found out firsthand last night, are horrible unexpected ice storms that pass through our area yeah almost completely unexpectedly (laughs) you know like i said went down to orlando uh i put i put the uh the show on my ipad to listen to and even though uh our good friend and and uh quote-unquote executive producer as he likes to think uh john (laughs) farrar oh he is he is i you know i I, (laughs) He's not getting paid for it. He's not seeing a dime. Oh, we're not getting paid. <laughs> uh, but I, I wasn't able to download his bootlegs in time and, and add everything to my iPad. So what I did was I, I ripped it from YouTube. And while on the plane trying to listen to it on my iPad from YouTube, the audio was just awful. It was so terrible. It was so low. And I to kind of press my headphones into my ears just to try to to listen to it and then i was trying to take notes in this uh brand new notebook that was uh i was trying to hold on to the left ledger while writing with the other and i can't i couldn't write uh you know i wasn't close enough to the tray table um and it was just a mess and and by the time you know before the encore even hit i stopped taking notes because it was just it, it was too much. So from there, I didn't even know where we stood. I, I, I knew I wasn't going to have a lot of time to listen to the show while, whilst on vacation. So, uh, you know, it was it was going to be one of those things I, I kind of expected today to be, you know, 
pick up my dog in the morning and then listen to the show for the rest of the day and, and take the rest of the notes. Uh, it, you know, it, it happened that way, but how we got there is a little different. Um, first of all, I just want to say before getting into the disaster of a story this last 24 hours was um, that I was able to go to Animal Kingdom and Epcot this weekend, but Animal Kingdom is important. Uh, well, both of them are important. I'll, I get to both those stories. Uh, so I wore my grunge uh, Vetter Mickey shirt, the awesome uh, shirt of Mickey Mouse holding a, a microphone with the Eddie leg tattoo. And it's one of my favorite shirts ever. Uh, Definitely a fan favorite. Yeah, and I've worn it to Disney three times. This is my, this was my third time wearing it, and not a single soul had said anything about it. Until walking around in Animal Kingdom, I look at with I spy with my little eye. I see. I'm like, oh my god! There's a guy pushing a stroller, and he's wearing the shirt. And I say, to, I say, Jillian, hold on a sec, hold on, hold on, hold on. I go up, I tap the guy on the shoulder. I said, nice shirt, man. And we, he's like, oh cool. We go back and forth. And then, you know, we start talking. And so he's like, so you're in the 10 club? I'm like, yeah, uh, I actually, you know, I host this podcast. It's an easy way for me to, you know, tell people that I'm a fan. And he's like, oh, yeah, I actually subscribe to that. And, uh, you know, what? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually met some- this is the first occasion that I've been able to randomly bump into a Pearl Jam fan in public, let alone have them be a subscriber. So shout out, out in the to wild, yeah. out, out in the wild. Shout out to David out in the Pelham. wild kingdom. <laughs> ah, there you go. Shout out to David Pelham. Uh, it was really good to meet him. Uh, and you know, he's a subscriber and a listener. And I told him I'd give him a little shout out on the show. Uh, I'm really disappointed that, there, we didn't get an extra second. I would have liked to, to grab a picture of the two of us wearing wearing the shirt. Uh, but you know what? Can't say it, it won't happen at some point in the future. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go down to to Orlando again. I'll keep wearing the shirt, and we'll we'll get that photo of somebody and I wearing the same shirt at the same time. Um, but he wasn't the only. Uh, Strangest tribe member, jamily member, whatever you want to call him, uh, out there. Uh, I bumped into somebody else wearing a the two one of the 2016 tour shirts, like that baseball one, the black and white baseball one. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Pretty popular one. Uh, and same thing. I, I saw him kind of in the distance. I'm like, but hold on, gotta go say hi. Uh, did the same thing. Tap him on the shoulder. Say, hey, nice shirt. And uh, I don't know if he grasped that I was wearing one at first, and then he kind of looked down. And he's like, "Oh, okay, cool, hi." Uh, he, I don't remember his name. He said he was from Minnesota. Uh, again, I told him who I was. So if he's listening in, um, it was nice to meet you too. You know, real coincidental uh, that we met two fans. Now there was allegedly a third at Epcot. Okay, because. What happened was, and I saw him for a split second. What happened was, Jillian went through the, um, you know, the bag check, and I didn't have a bag, so I just went around. Yeah. And somebody was walking through the exit while she was che- uh, getting her bag checked, and he had a stickman shirt. 
and I kind of saw him as she was he was just kind of standing near the exit uh, it was it was too far away for me to, to be a creep and, and go up to him and be like hey nice shirt but uh, if you were at Epcot this weekend you happen to listen to the show then uh, I saw you so Pearl Jam was represented very well at Disney this week on Monday um, we did our part and then if you haven't seen it uh, posted on Facebook a couple days ago uh, Mickey Mickey Mouse and I had a little moment where he uh, tried to imitate himself as as Eddie on the shirt and um, he wasn't he wasn't the most entertaining Mickey in the world but he tried I guess it's tough when you have to walk around all night watching other people eat dinner and you're like I'm fucking starving. I tried to feed Pluto, and I did my best. He he kind of he kind of gobbled up the bread, and uh, you know, obviously you cannot swallow with those mascot heads. But you know, we tried. <laughs> we had a fun time. That was uh, Garden Grill. If you're if you're ever in Epcot, um, it is the rotating restaurant in. Uh, what do they call living living with the land um it's this boat ride and they kind of you know this area of epcot where they grow their own food and things like that and uh um it's a it's not buffet it's all you can eat and they bring huge plates of food you know all you can eat your table the pot roast was awesome i recommend it um macaroni and cheese with uh, goldfish on top of it yeah that that stuff was delicious. Ooh, ooh, that sounds yeah. That's what turned me on to it. We were yeah. wa- watching videos of people eating at Disney, and I said, "Oh, I want that." Plus, if I get to wear the shirt, then I can have a conversation with Mickey about the shirt, and I got what I wanted. So <laughs> everything, everything seemed to work out. Uh, really good dessert to uh, a berry cake that was very good. Um. So, yeah, so that was a lovely couple days in Orlando. And then um, as we're leaving last night, you know, everything is fine. Checking all day because we know that there are ice storms and crap going on in the northeast, uh, you know, snow and all that. And we keep checking and our flights keep saying on time. It's going to take off at 845. Okay, great. So, you know, 815 comes around and that's around the time that, you'd be set to board and there's no announcement there's no nothing uh you know i'm paying attention to i'm watching something on my ipad i'm paying attention to it so i'm like wait did we miss anything i'm getting paranoid there are a ton of people just standing around because there are flights to jfk and newark that were both delayed and the newark flight had to uh change gates so nobody was sitting because they every every seat was filled. So, so I, I had I saw on your fiance's Instagram story or or the Snapchat whichever one that basically there were like three or four different planes worth of people. Yeah, one or two gates right surrounding you, basically filling up the entire spot. It was incredibly overwhelming, and every time. The PA, somebody over the PA said, you know, this flight is whatever. I I was like, is is it us yet? Is it us yet? No. Um, and it took a while. It, it Once 845 hit, all the screen said delayed. The other one said delayed until and gave a time. This just said delayed. 
and we had no idea when no we idea when leave. you were leaving yeah <laughs> so after a while i think jfk left at like 10 50 or so newark left a little before a little after that and hartford is the last ones left and we're sitting there and we're like what the fuck they said that plane maintenance was going on it had nothing to do with weather and we're just sitting around nothing no announcements and then finally they say uh okay the plane that's here uh we can't use this plane today it's uh it's unusable it's mal you know the computer system and malfunction that or something is like that. the last thing you want to hear before getting onto a plane oh the worst they had already delayed until 11 i think that was around you know, I think it got delayed at first until 9.45, which was an hour. That's not terrible. And then somewhere in the middle of that, they, they pushed it back to 11. And then they said, okay, well, the next flight that's coming in from San Juan is coming in at midnight. So you guys are going to take that, board it at 12.10, and it's going to take off a little after 12.30, and it's going to get in at 3.06. Oof. <laughs> it doesn't end there because, you know, we don't live close to the airport anymore. We used to live a half hour away from the airport. Uh, so, again, ice storms, the roads are terrible all night. Um, we have to order a hotel, and there are no hotels available in the area. The closest one that we can find is about 20, 25 minutes away. So, it's fine, but, you know, we just... We can't drive all the way back to Stratford, which is more than an hour away. It would have been ridiculous. Uh, so we get taken back to our car. Car's frozen. Some of the doors we can't even open. Um, have to. We're chipping away at the ice. Where you know I I couldn't uh, I couldn't get out of the snow because because my tires were were not getting through it and. Uh, you know, we had to give it a little push. Um, so it probably took us an hour to get out our car out of there. So by the time that we got to the hotel, it was after 4 a.m. And I, this is why I didn't think we were going to do a show today, because I thought I would be absolutely beat tired. Yeah. Um, you know, considering that the day before that, I had been doing all those Disney parks and really didn't get a lot of sleep that night. So, uh, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And we it's have a good. show. You got, so you just gotta, you gotta rally. You gotta keep going until, until you hit stop on the recording when this is done. And then you could just pass right out. Exactly. Exactly. And also I, we couldn't do this tomorrow because I have a business thing going on tomorrow. So, you know, either it was do it now or, you know, or you guys suffer without an episode for the week. We didn't want to do that. So, <laughs> Knew this was going to come all full circle, and that was what that was about. So essentially, uh, whether or not that was a fun story, an interesting story, a shitty story, it was it was all three. We got through it, and I wanted to tell it because, you know, it's just, uh, while it may not really relate to the show, that's the reason why we almost didn't have an episode this week. So there you, there you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> i appreciate your appreciation oh man and uh yeah i'm 
I might be running on fumes as it is because I'm already rambling, but um, let's let's sort of get to the show here. And we talked a little bit about just how difficult the show is going to be and kind of how uh, for us to cover. So, you know, the real story behind this show that everybody knows is is obviously breath. Uh, it's the story that gets told the most from this night, uh, a campaign for the song that hadn't been played in four years, 149 shows in between. Uh, according to PJ20, the campaign was started by fans Jessica Letkeman and Paris Montoya and was said to be the first mass PJ fan mobilization to be spread through online discussion. Um, and that depends on who you ask because Five Horizons has a little bit of a different story. I'm going with what the band says because it's published in a book. So, it, you know, somebody's got to be doing their research. Um, but East Rutherford was two or three nights before this and you know everybody had their signs in the crowd saying breath uh we talked about it for night one of msg and everybody had their their signs in the crowd and eddie said something along the lines of i i took a lot of viagra and i was a little busy and couldn't rehearse it so uh there you go um gross <laughs> i think you all know what happened uh, it, it gets played this night, and we'll obviously talk about it. The rest is history. Uh, and and really, that's you know, while talking to a lot of people, I wanted to I wanted to know why the show was good outside of breath because that's all you hear about is breath, 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 breath. And I wanted to know what made the show great. And I think Patrick, who I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of talk about what he mentioned to me. Uh, uh, some of his notes from this show, Patrick Bogle, he said that um, Breath was really the cherry on top of one of the best performances he's ever seen. Just the ice cream and everything else, uh, the whipped cream, the the syrup, and everything else that was put into it was the rest of the set, and this was just a cherry of greatness. And, you know, while the fans really got what they wanted, um, it was still, you know, the... The band, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into that. I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think we got to start off at the beginning, I, I, but that's just a yeah, precursor. Or, or, or we could jump right to the encore, which is the direction you're heading in. <laughs> Do you want to move backwards? Do so you want to start with the encore and then go to the main set? No, I think that's a little <laughs> too much. This is a difficult show. This is too, this is a difficult show as it is. Let's not make it more confusing for people. Yeah. Uh, all right, all right. Let's let's jump into it now. Um, you know, I think just about every historic show that they have, uh, almost all of them open with release, and this is no different. And uh, let's play it. Let's listen to the opening of the show, and I, I think we can really get into it and really feel the energy coming from this one. So, opening with release.
like I said, most historic shows, you know, releases seen as their opener, and it's uh, um, it's not a coincidence because it's just every version that gets played at these historic shows is incredible because the crowd participation and right away uh the crowd was showing that they were bringing the energy in this night that they might not have had in night one um and also showcased that uh eddie's voice was going to be a force on this night you really couldn't ask for a much better performance from eddie all night I mean, the whole thing seems like night one was really just a warm up, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I'd hate to downplay it like that, but this is a good release. And you're, you're absolutely right about how his voice sounded. That's that's exactly what I thought. And we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, mid 94, 95 was really where he was at his best. But I think a lot of people think that. The 98 tour, he was really, you know, at the top you know, of his game I, as well. I really disagree. I, I thought he was, I think he's very good in this in this time frame. And um, he's definitely got, or, or he's, he's kind of getting out of that anger mode where he would put a lot of that anger energy into songs where it didn't need it. That was starting to phase out. From doing the show, though, man, I, I think his voice sounds the absolute best around like the i want to say like 2006 2008 time frame uh that's just my personal opinion i think that's where he really hit like this amazing stride but this is this is a good lead up to that because you you hear it in his voice it's really strong and he's he's getting that anger out of the way and it leads to kind of my favorite era where i think he sounds the best but yeah he sounds great here i think the maturity is a process uh in the history of the band and and this is just part of this is part of the growing process uh that right. comes with it um, right for me for me it's not quite there yet but it's close yeah i i i feel the same way and and we haven't really dug into binaural yet and we don't really know what that transition of between 98 and 2003 because i thought 2003 he was very strong and i thought the band yep was very strong at that point i think 2005 2006 like you were saying before the band just felt they felt like they were in control of things uh and maybe during this time period they were still a little on edge so to speak on some shows maybe not this one but like where they really felt like they needed to impress instead of saying okay we can do this you know what i'm saying Right. I think 2003 was really their their coming out party in terms of you know we are this legendary band that you have to go see live and we bring it every night just about so that's you know we've mentioned that before but uh I've I've also mentioned before that I think binaural era shows are I don't know man it seems like it's dark and it's i feel like i'm going to be really scared doing some of those shows it's such a different feel and vibe i feel like for the bands but i'm very curious i'm very interested to finally get to that area it it is very dark uh, you know what i a mean a lot of like, those shows are post russ killed so uh and not not even dark is like like musically or i feel like 
I feel like even their shows are dark. They're, they're like shrouded in darkness. It, uh, that Whenever you see a show from back then, it just feels like they're, there's this shadow over them or something. So when they, when they play like grievance, the third song in, it's kind of <laughs> like, Ooh, this, this does feel a little dark. Uh, <laughs> we do, we do have a lot of, a couple of 2000 shows on our radar, maybe as soon as very soon, but Honestly, we have no idea. So that was a good teaser right there. Maybe as soon as very soon. As soon as very soon. I like um, it. That that could be a tagline for us if we so choose. Um, so now we we go from releasing to hell hell. Uh, remember, Matt Cameron is pretty fresh in the band at this point. He's still a newbie, and a lot of the original uh, No Code Yield songs uh, that. He was performing at this time, being the fill-in. He was, he was playing like Jack because he wasn't as used to him at the time. So I really felt like this version of Hell Hell sounded more like the Jack version than the Matt Cameron version sounds like nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the exact same way. I thought this was a really good version. Uh, Love the spot. Uh, it it's a pretty big jump out of a out of a release, but. It, it's awesome. The crowd goes nuts. What I noticed was in the beginning on like every downbeat, he really, he's like, he's crashing every symbol he has on that intro and it, and it sounds terrible, but then he goes right, right into like, like you said, like how Jack Irons would play it. So it's funny. It's like he's figuring out his own way while playing the part uh, at, at the same time. He's trying stuff out. So I, I guess he's trying to find his own feet here. And uh, those little expressions he's giving on the symbols there kind of show that. But it it wasn't good. So I'm glad that didn't stick around, and I'm glad he found his his own groove. Matt was definitely energetic on this night, I will say that. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, he comes through a lot, for sure. And those gloves... He doesn't still he's wear those got, gloves, right? He's got the gloves on. Yeah, that's right. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you noticed that if you had watched the video. But yeah, oh he's yeah, got the gloves. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was a thing back then. If more drummers wore those, it seems like a metal thing. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, dream theater stuff like that. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta grip the drum because you're so incredibly progressive. But I understand. <sighs> I mean, Matt Cameron is a very, uh, he's a hard drummer. I mean, he's he's animal up there. So maybe he just, in his older age, thought, I don't need these anymore. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody's making fun of me from afar, and uh, yeah, I can do this with my bare hands. It's like... It, it's, it's you like know, back made... then, though, it could have been cool. Maybe, maybe he just, you know, he said that was, you know, uh, does Jeff still wear his, his knee brace that he always wore? I mean, you know, he doesn't wear his hats anymore. Maybe it just phased out. Oh, know? Jeff had a bad hat on the show. Speak about Jeff. Je- what, he was wearing like a... It was like a top hat or something? I forget. I don't know. A fedora. I don't it was know. like a it's fedora. Like, dented fedoras. I, I don't know. It's ugly, though. Like a train conductor? I don't know. He, bar- <laughs> he borrowed it from somebody off the uh, Long Island Railroad. <laughs> something like that. Or like, um, I don't know, like a, a carnival ticket taker, maybe? Yeah. I don't, I, Jeff I has a bad hat it. on. We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah. It's not one of his legendary hats, for sure. No. Um, but... Man, Jeff was during this one. Jeff had so much energy. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was bringing it. On. I, I think I think they all had 
different differing amounts of energy on this night, but I think like Jeff was just absolutely apeshit during the song. Um, uh, the stage presence was there. That's you know. Speak speak of uh, fashion. Eddie was wearing some like Adidas tracksuit. Oh, the tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah. The jacket on. Yeah. That was uh, that's a weird style for him, but all right. The best way to see <laughs> like funny clothing styles throughout the years is to go and watch either old Pearl Jam shows when they're on stage or old episodes of like Fear Factor or Blind Date. It gives oh, you the God. perfect idea of the clothes for the time period. Yeah. It's really funny. Probably like real real world and real, real world. Too. Yep. Yeah. That makes that makes total amount of sense. Um <laughs> So we hail hail into Animal in the sweet spot for Animal. Um, as per usual, when the song is hot and good, the crowd is singing and bouncing. And the band, at this point, I'm seeing that the band has an early indication that this night was going to be better than the last and maybe something special. This is maybe the first point where you can see that the band is looking at each other like, all right, we got something going here. Yeah, this is a really good Animal, too. Uh, they definitely hit some sort of a stride here that they I think that they were missing right off the bat from night one. Uh, so this is my favorite spot for Animal when when you're not opening with something like Crazy Mary or Corduroy or you're not doing a two or three song slow burn. Animal in the number three spot when you when you open it up a little slower then you go full bore into something like Hail Hail. Animal needs to come in number three. It's my all-time favorite spot for it. And this is a good Animal. This is a really good one. It's it's perfectly paced. The tempo is on point. Matt Cameron uh, plays the shit out of this one. Great animal. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think we've talked a lot about animal being in the beginning of the set before and how well it works. Uh, you know, we've also talked about being later in the set and how weird it yeah. was. So it's, it's it's I'm less strict about it as I was when we first started the the podcast because we have seen it work really late where it's like, you know what, that's really kind of tying up the entire set. But if you are at this show and you get release Hail Hail Animal, you're probably soaking wet and unable unable to stand already and you're three songs in and it's just going to it's just going to blow you away with this fourth song coming up. So, I mean, is it my number one a progression of songs to see at a show maybe not but it's i mean fucking, it might it's be fucking two incredible. or three you know what it might you know what this might be like my second way i'd like to see a show open actually yeah i mean it's awesome it's way up there for me um especially this time period it, it would have to be within top five for me no question yeah yeah when when you don't have a lot of those other songs that you can rely on through uh you know the other five albums that they produced uh i mean you don't get too much better outside of maybe i don't know go early or something like that which i don't i think that was mostly a late song back then but um yeah i i can't i can't think of, i can't think of anything to start off the show a show like this much better than the way they did it well, that, that's a good way to kind of talk about how we were talking about before getting into the time frame and and why people really think this is their greatest show of all time and i can understand it pretty well uh talking about it because you talk about for the time period this is what you'd want for like a show opener but it ages really well and i would i would take this 
at a show in 2019. That's funny that you say that. You, you're right. This doesn't. This does age well. It, um, it is common, so to speak. It's something that you can hear at multiple shows, you know, since then, and it still works. And you're not, you know, it, it's still. It's all about the energy that comes into the room, and I think that that's those three songs. You're going to. You're going to elicit that energy that you're going to want from it. So uh, you're, you know, then you follow you follow up with Even Flow after that. You know that that's that's wild. And it feels good here. It really does. Um, it feels good, and the crowd goes nuts. I mean, you get Even Flow in the number four spot. This is what we say. We say this a lot. Where stuff is switched around like this and placement is strange because then you think to yourself what the fuck is coming up in the rest of this show when you get things that are so out of order and that are so upfront like that it's anyone's guess you know yeah basically anything is anything is possible yeah and then the, the next two are you know commonplace for maybe like songs number 10 and number 11 in the set but I love how you can do this back then and have it work and have it still kind of feel like it's part of the intro of the show. It's still, it, it might not be in the release Hail Hail Animal section, but it does fit in as the second sort of section instead of it feeling, because nowadays you would feel like, okay, this is middle of the show. This is time where we're really starting to get into other stuff. Uh, but here it's a different kind of energy, you know. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought the band really brought it on this one, um, and it's such a pleasant surprise. We've we've seen it in so many different places before. I, I love how we've covered it in all these different spots. Seeing that you know the last fifteen years or so, it's gone remotely unchanged. Uh, where I say I wrote to the point, it says that uh, here that, you know, if you put it in a number four position, it comes off as being one of the boys instead of being a song that's sort of above everything else, having a spot, quote unquote. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it has that legacy behind it. But I think think at the same time, switching it up, say it was done this way, this year and you get even flow in the number four spot i think people would say to themselves we're going to be in for something wild you know what i mean even more so than back even then more, yeah. even more so now because of, of the legacy spot and the legacy feel that it has back then you could get that kind of one of the boys type type feel from it because you know it, it gets mixed around and it gets tossed around and i i think at the time i think people I don't want to say people didn't care for it like they do now where where it's it's like this big production but you know they're they're touring albums and they're they're putting out albums and they're kind of right in the middle of like their their releases and and I think people might be more excited to hear other songs where now I think maybe a lot of people go see Pearl Jam for the first time or go see Pearl Jam for the first time in years and years and years uh, and even flow happens, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's even flow." But you know, maybe back then doing even flow early was a way to just kind of get it out of the way because maybe people were looking forward to to other things. Like 
I mean, I don't want to I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I mean, the do the evolution on this show, I thought I thought the 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 crowd response to that was ten times what even flow was. So it, it, again, the 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 time frame is very important to think about for this show. Absolutely, I, I think a lot of it comes with uh, the per- predictability factor. Yeah. Uh, and by, by the way, that is that is just my observation and my opinion. That could be wrong. You know, even flow could be timeless and could be could be seen the same way in 1998 as it is now. But that's just the feeling that I I've gotten from seeing even flow pop up in earlier shows tossed around. They have this. They have a more um, easygoing attitude towards the song to where they know it's a hit, but it's not that status yet of like a showstopper or mm. or or this it's got to go in this certain spot. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. No, they're able to move it around because, um, like I said, the predictability factor isn't quite what these shows are about yet. They, and it's not what these shows are about now per se, but predictability does kind of have a place in today's shows where yes you're going to get even flow in the middle of the set you are probably going to get porch ending one of uh the first set or an encore you know bread and butter alive rock and lead better um there are things and it's good to have predictability because then you know for the for the fan that's not gonna go to every single show that's what they want but for the people that that are going to go to all the shows that they it's you know it's something that they wish could be changed up every now and again but you know and you know what comparing it to other bands um you know there are bands out there that have the same set list almost every single night and they'll change like one or two songs the the drummer will write it on his snare drum <laughs> so he can <laughs> down on it every night and just not change it for an entire year. So cons- considering that this band in this day and age will do maybe four to five songs in that predictability spot, that's pretty good considering what you can get elsewhere. Um, well, especially when you're doing thir- you know, 32 song sets. It's Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, so much, there's so much potential for... What do you want to talk about more. predictability and format, but you're only talking about maybe four, five, or six songs out of 30 two to 35 songs i mean that leaves a lot up to the imagination and i think that's a pretty great thing one more thing about this this song it's funny uh reading from the five horizons uh uh review that the three nights in a row the east rutherford show night one and night two of the msgs ed messed up the lyrics looking through the paper though he doesn't know to read on all three shows and this one you can hear he says look at the fuck it's really funny he he probably got really all up in in his own head i think he did uh, at that point it was completely unavoidable yeah and uh, you know it goes without saying but mccready is top fucking notch on this so you know it just just another incredible version of this song that you know again the placement is really important because it brings unpredictability to the set later, and uh, and even now, even now, like this is still kind of considered the open, and it's a little bit different for the open. We'll get to that in a sec. As as Ed says, uh, tonight already feels better than last night, and they'll be there for a while. So hopefully you have a good spot, and it gets into giving a fly, which 
is um I mean that that's common nowadays for them to go from even flown to given a fly, but not in four or five. That's common like ten eleven. So it's a little bit different and it's a little uh it's a little more exciting here, it's a little more acceptable in my mind, because not yet did Given a Fly become this like completely up tempo song, let's play it. You know, let let's get rid of the mem- you know mesmerizing uh, riff and everything like that. They uh, uh, this feels this feels like it's paced really well. This is this is where I want it. Yeah, these are paced well, and and given a fly uh, and corduroy in the five six spot. Again, huge fan favorites, huge songs to play at MSG. Those are those are what you want there. It fits the venue, it fits the time, the placement fits the time, and. Unfortunately for me, though, both of these songs were very, as I said earlier, these are these were plain Jane to me. I didn't think there was anything too remarkable about them. And normally I, I'd have something I, I'd, I'd at least have something to back up given to fly because, uh, you know, I, I know you're not a huge fan of, of what they do with it live. And I try to give it all the credit that I can. And Corduroy, I'm usually very, very critical of because of the placement. Uh, but I, I've come around. I think I've come around on corduroy because I, I see it in a different, in a different way, or or I see its different usages now and and how they use it differently and and quite effectively. So I have changed my mind about that. Unfortunately, these just did. They they didn't really blow me away. They were they were good. They were tight. But um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of run of the mill. It, we we talk about bread and butter a lot. I, this is a this is a early bread and butter. This is a bread and butter night. The whole night is bread and butter, basically. So it's tough. But it's for good me bread to... and butter. That it's not. That's this is yeah. No, this is your high quality uh, uh, garlic bread. This is this is good. This is right <laughs> out of the oven. This is you smell it. It's crunchy. It's tasty, and you want to dip it in the sauce a little bit. Um, unfortunately, that could lead to sometimes just very run of the mill performances as well. So that's kind of what I had for giving a flying quarter. I didn't think they were amazing but they were they were good and yeah and uh, i like them here they they worked uh they worked that's for sure and I, I don't think that these three in a row would ever work today i think i would be sick to my stomach if i heard these three <laughs> in a row uh nowadays but it works in this era because sure uh it's something different and it's something that we don't hear on the show but um it's sort of it's still with corduroy there it still feels like it's part of the first part of the set. When you when you, when you see Even Flow and you hear Even Flow and Given a Fly together, your 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 mind goes to okay, this is mid set. But Corduroy kind of brings you back to reality of thinking that this is part still part of the early section. Um, so yeah, they, I didn't. They, they, they... They laid it on thick. It's there's a lot to eat there, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But again, four, five, six nowadays, I would not, I would not be into this. But, but um, this was okay. I, to see, me. I, this was I, fine. I would in 2019 because oh my god, when seven hits, you're like, what, what, what could they? Well, what that's are they do? okay. That's 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 <laughs> yeah. saying even flow in the beginning, but that that's. But at the same time, there's it, you're right. There's considering how how big of songs these are in the Pearl Jam community. They're huge. I mean, they're, they're gigantic hit songs with the fans and it's a lot to take. Uh, 
back then, uh, now, two of these songs were still growing back then. I feel Ooh, like exactly, exactly. Given a Fly was definitely uh, a favorite amongst the album songs. It was probably like the like we say with Unthought Known all the time that uh, it was that, and I think Given a Fly was, was a single, uh, but Unthought Known was that like fan, you know, the feel the feel good song of the album for the fan. Sure. Uh, Given a Fly was the same thing, but it still it needed to develop over time for fans to catch on to it. Um, and they might have liked it at the time, but they haven't caught on to it yet. Right. If you get this one through six here in 2019, you're probably out of breath and you're so full you're going to explode. But yeah, 1998, man, this this is this is pretty kick ass. Yep, perfect perfect amount of anger and angst from Ed without going over without going overboard exactly. Yeah. And the crowd the crowd is really into it. So this is this is part this is part of the experience here. You know, it's you know maybe it wasn't the it wasn't what I don't think out of all the comments I've seen anybody say like that was the best quarter I've ever seen. That was the best uh, given a fly I've ever seen. But it definitely helps the overall experience of this whole entire set. Yeah, th- this is this is more, now that we're talking about it, this is more of a, a package, I think, than individual performances of, of certain songs. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that brings us to MFC here. Uh, we debuted it last week, and we talked a little bit about it, and uh, I guess what we didn't know was the history of it, and with more research, I realized I did know the history um i i got an email telling me um from you know who uh telling me how could you not read the liner notes of yield to uh to know what this song is you know the background of this song and once i read into it more yes i i do i do remember the background of it so um this actually debuted at i i I couldn't get grasp if it was an Ed Solo show. It wasn't a Pearl Jam show, but it was in Italy. It was in, uh, I believe, Rome, where he wrote the song uh, at a at a place called Gao, G A O. Um, not sure, not sure how to pronounce it. Um, but he debuted it 1996 in Italy in December, and yes, it like like Aurelian mentioned, it was written in Italy, um, and. It is about cars. I think that that's fairly obvious, uh, but it doesn't stand for Matt fucking Cameron. It stands for Mini Fast Car. Yeah, well, I thought I assumed you knew that. I, I yeah, but I, I we didn't we didn't explain that. I think uh, people expected us to explain that. Oh, last sorry, week. sorry. Yeah, I I had forgotten that it meant Mini Fast Car. So, um, which is uh, you know makes sense that uh, it's written in Italy. Um, but I think that the, the, this version is paced better than the version that we heard last week. I think it was rushed a little bit last week. Uh, I thought it sounded good last week, but I, this is, this is the MFC that I like that, that sort of, you know, feels more like a driving song than. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm split on it because I thought that they had uh, some trouble uh, getting it off the ground here a little bit, but they uh, they they do they 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 get it going, they get it revved up. I guess you could say it, it was uh, sputtering and and stalling a little bit in the beginning, 
I, I thought, but... Ha, lots of car references. Ha, ha I was trying to s- spit them off one after another. <laughs> uh, gas, gas, ex- ex- accelerate, hit the brakes. I don't know what else to say. Um, <laughs> I think you hit them almost the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, no, it turned out fine. It turned out, turned out sounding good. Uh, I thought a little bit better than last week, but last week was good too, and... I... I just don't like it rushed. That's that's the only thing. Yeah, that, you yeah. Know, I, I agree. I agree with that. Pace pace it like how it's supposed to be paced. Don't don't try to put something extra into it just because sure. you need it to sound different than it did last time live. So that's right. you know. Um but that's just my thing. Uh that goes into habit. We've talked about habit a lot recently. <sighs> I Yeah. I like this version. So do I, but <laughs> I do no, I I I honestly do, uh, and I don't like this song. It's just I feel like this song does not work well live. Even though I but do it's like the, it's the presence of this version is what made it work. And yeah, no, it it is a good version, and they do play it well. It's just I just feel like it's oh, it always sounds like it's missing something. Like they need like three other guys to come on stage and play instruments on this song or it just sounds totally empty so this song is a slipknot song i need the trash cans and the kegs (laughs) (laughs) there needs to be at least one guy with a mask on (laughs) sometimes sometimes eddie wears a mask Uh, if if it's a a current president yeah a different kind of mask (laughs) uh for for me this version it it sounded as close to the album version as you can without, you know, I think a lot of my gripe with it is that Eddie will um, will just scream incoherently uh, instead of just do the song and do the song how 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 it feels right. Um, but really, the best part about this song is when he pauses and he waits. The crowd gives him this awesome ovation during this and he's just eating it up and it's a longer pause than it usually is during the uh speaking as as a child in the 90s part um and you can tell this is just so early on eight songs in and the crowd is eating this alive and really that's what makes this song so special here to me that 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 makes it feel different than the other versions that we've heard yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was going to add that in. Another song, an, another another problem that I have with this song is that I feel like it tends to really drag, and I feel like it is way too long, especially live. But the crowd is is giving you participation, and they're giving you volume, and and that that's what you want. And that's on a song that wouldn't necessarily get it either, right? And that's what makes this version good or played well and and sound sound uh, uh better than we've heard but yeah man i i just it doesn't translate well to me i don't think i'm ever gonna get over that and kind of makes me sad i really want to like it i really do i promise you that i do i look i'm not you know a couple more versions and we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple of songs how how a couple of versions can completely flip your your opinion on something but sure. um you know, I haven't fully turned the corner and I don't want to hear it every show yet, but after, you know, a couple of times hearing it in a couple of different weeks, I'm now saying, like, I 
I accept it more at this show than I do at other shows, just because I think the presence here was felt with a, sh- a, a song that was off an album that wasn't really accepted uh, at the time in No Code, and Habit sort of gets lost sometimes. Um, the crowd ate it up, and that, you know, if they're going to eat up a song like that, then, man, they're going to eat up your your songs that they're supposed to eat up. So you, you know what I need? It's a good sign. I need, I need I need to see it live. You haven't seen it live, have you? I have not seen Habit live. No, maybe maybe that's what I need to do, man. I need to I need to see it live. Well, that's uh, they need to play a show for for you to see it live. 2019 hasn't been. Uh, yeah. Tour news is is very quiet. They they're it's been quiet. You know, they release uh, other news. We we had some good news this week. Uh, about yeah, you know, I was hoping for some kind of uh, announcement to follow up with that. But if you if you had seen, we posted that Pearl Jam are the 2019 Record Store Day ambassadors, and normally what comes with that is either they'll curate a part of the release list, or they'll release something, or at the very least they'll do performances or or meet and greets at at record uh, stores. So I'm positive something is going to happen but you know i was really hoping for some kind of knockout punch of of a of a announcement like guess what record store day we're releasing the new album or something like that and and we're going to release our tour dates on record store day of course of course you know what it's not nothing is 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 uh impossible or unexpected with pearl jam so i'm sure something cool is gonna come out or something something will happen it probably won't be that but it's very exciting still to have them be the ambassadors because they're they're not gonna let it just go past they're gonna do something no yeah the the whole entire band they're vinyl freaks uh so especially you know mike and eddie have talked about their their relationship with vinyl so often uh that i think whatever they do decide to do is going to uh it's going to cause a stir and it's it's gonna it's gonna be good Uh, i think a lot of rumors out there uh they did uh i can't remember that the, the name of the big uh the big popular record store in seattle but they did a show there back in i think you know uh 05 or 06 do you know what i see it all the time too i see i see the name of the store all the time yeah it's uh is it sonic boom no 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 no, no. what the hell is it is that the one where they were, they were playing on the really small stage yes did they put the footage in the announcement video did you watch the announcement video that mike made uh, bits and pieces of it, yeah. Because they, they have footage of, I think, that show, and I was going to ask you where that was from because I couldn't remember. That is definitely that, yes. Sidetrack, that would be a really good Patreon episode to release on Record Store Day. Yeah. I can't, you know what? I, easy Street? Yep, that's it. It's, it's Easy Street, okay. It's Easy Street. Yeah, thank you. We had to talk it out a little bit, and I know that some people are going to be listening and they're going to be like, oh, Easy Street. Oh, oh my God! It's Easy Street. Oh my God! I, come on, guys. I, I I told the story about how I, I you know didn't get off a flight until three or four a.m. Give me a break. I would have gotten it most other days. So so back into the show. Uh, uh, Ed talks to the security guard and he says something along the lines of bunch of people bunch of new yorkers this is around the time where i was really trying to 
keep up with writing and, and being on the plane and listening, and it was really, really obnoxious. Uh, and he says, bunch of New Yorkers told security not to be assholes, and if they were assholes, then it reflected on them, uh, on the band. So that that makes sense. Ed, Ed's relationship over the years with security guards has been tenuous at best. That's funny because I, I read an interesting story on the YouTube comments that I was going to share about security guards. Share? Share away. Uh, someone said you could you could actually see him getting ejected. Uh, I guess he was crowd surfing. They eject him. I, guess, I think it's around like the hour mark. And he claims that Pearl Jam's uh, security that they bring wanted to straight up beat him up behind the stage and Madison Square Garden security stepped in and wouldn't let them do that. Wait, and what? He, and Madison Square Garden security let him back in uh, two songs later. Pearl Jam security wanted to beat him up? That That's his account of the show, yeah. Oh. And, I... Madison, and Madison Square Garden's uh, security stepped in and wouldn't let them. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that because you would think that that's against everything that Eddie stands for. It's very strange. Oh. <sighs> I had to. Right, I had we're to gonna have your, to get that kid on. I had to get your take on that. I was like, "This sounds not right to me." <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Come on, maybe the guy. The guy was crowd surfing, so maybe he was a little drunk and didn't know possibly uh, what security was. Was what was what? Yeah. I'm going to guess that it was probably the reverse. I could look. I could be wrong. I don't want to put uh, anybody's story put down anybody's story and say that their their telling of it was wrong but um it just doesn't feel and if anybody has any secure pearl jam security stories that kind of mirror what what matt just said something's not, uh, something's not jiving there though for yeah sure. yeah it doesn't <laughs> feel right but look anything anything is possible um so all right uh interesting that you mentioned that um we go into faithful here and we'll talk a little bit more about the security that might be the same guy that ed ed sort of talks to security again during rearview mirror um and we'll kind of get to that in a little bit Mm. uh so this goes into faithful and this is msg mode right here they needed to tear the house down to make up for the night prior and at this point they are well on their way to doing it there's pure joy coming from the stage and the energy the band is feeding is off off the crowd and the crowd is vice versa feeding off the energy of the band and this is just in a groove at this point yes uh I still do not care for this song, though. I'm sorry. Really? I, I thought you. I, I thought you were okay with it. N- no, I, I, I love the crowd on it, though. I mean, this is, uh, this is another one of those, you know, magic moments of Madison Square Garden. Uh, no denying that. But yeah, I really don't have anything to say for Faithful. I just, I. Uh, okay. I, I, I. For some reason, I didn't think that that was the case, but. Okay. It's just, it's just not for me. Uh, well, not every song is for everybody. I just thought I, yeah. I heard that you you praised it at one point. I, I don't. I might I might have praised a um, performance of it. Just like now, I th- I think this performance is very good. Uh, it's just it's not it's not a song that I would care for on a set list if I was going. Did we put it on our wish list set? 
Uh, you might have. Hmm. Sure. Hmm. I have it written down here somewhere. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if it made it or not. Um, okay, all right, that threw me for a loop because I thought you, li- I thought you were a faithful guy. No, um, not really. You are not faithful. I am not faithful. <laughs> You've been cheating on the song. <laughs> uh, all right, folks, here it is. Um, I don't hate this song anymore after a couple versions of hearing it. And wow, Tw- episode twenty-three, we got him. We got him, yeah. everybody. <laughs> it can revert back. It can revert back. I, uh, I think. I think it only took me like five episodes, right, for me to <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but I was yeah. really, I was really bored with it the whole time. I was. Oh uh, no, sure, yeah. So, so was I. I think. Uh, I think just being forced to listen to it over and over again, you're able to, you're able to pick out why it is a good song, and some, you know, sometimes it takes people longer, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But ninety eight in ninety eight, like this song isn't tiring yet. Well, to sure. me at least, a sure. version in '98 doesn't feel tiring, as a version in 2019 would feel tiring and and overplayed and and just outdone and you know that that's where I come from with that. So, if you've been following the show all this time, you know that uh, I've had a strange relationship with the song "Daughter." Um, the last three versions have been very good, and when that happens. Uh, you have to play the song because I think things have turned a quarter finally, and this has gone up in the power ranking. So oh, yeah. let's let's play a little daughter. this one so much is just because the crowd is is amazing the crowd is incredible the crowd loves the song as much as the first time they heard it on the radio uh you know uh i i'm very impressed i'm just very impressed with it i I, you know i the band sounds really tight on it but i i think that the extra element is in with the crowd and sometimes when you hear I guess more recent versions, 
the crowd just sort of doesn't live up to the the hype of the song and and they sort of they might die out a little bit because they're a little sick of daughter altogether but the crowd was into it on this one and that might have got me that might have that might have got me to turn the corner yeah and it's interesting you say that because it, it almost got me to turn the corner on the next song. I'm not quite there yet, but <laughs> um, uh, but it's it's daughter into Wishlist, and we have our opinions on Wishlist. It's not our favorite. It's you know it's 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 Wishlist. It's it is what it is. But the crowd is actually for the next one, two, three, about three or four songs. The crowd is so engrossed, and they're just so emotionally attached and mesmerized and they're they're just all in at this point and that's that's what will turn a song for you you know when you see this kind of reaction and this kind of emotion towards towards uh uh towards the song live it it could really change your mind about something i i wrote down here um a little bit later this four song section Feels like it's it could be considered cooldown esque, but it and and this could be the reason why the show is so special, or one of the reasons why it just makes it all around such a great show is that um, even though it has cooldown flavor to it, it has way more energy than a cooldown could ever imagine. Oh yeah, this 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 doesn't even. I mean, it is a cooldown, but it does not fit in that category at all. And on paper, it looks like it's going way too long, but you have to listen to it and you have to watch the video because, like I said, the crowd is all in for it. And it's really a, a pretty amazing 20 minutes of the show where it's it's a cooldown, but it is charging for sure. I'll have to mimic kind of what you said. Um, I guess we're on wish list now. Uh there was a Velvet Underground tag on Daughter, beginning to see the light. Uh, that sounded really good. The WMA tag sounded good here, and um, it does acknowledge the crowd singing on this one. So, you know, uh, things are really, really, really starting to gel and really starting to work. It, it's mm. Ed and the rest of the band and the crowd, and they're all in it. You know, 18,000 18, people have joined the band, and, and they're are the perfect member at this point. Um, Wishlist, uh, though, yeah, look, I am not, I don't think I'll ever turn the corner and want to listen to Wishlist as, like, you know, put it on a playlist, so to speak, but um, we've listened to a a real lot of good live versions of it uh, that just really smooth, gel really nicely together, uh, and... I think my favorite thing about this version, though, is the disco ball. I the dis- thought the you disco saw, ball you saw was that, great. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, God, there's that fucking disco ball. And then, like, <laughs> ha- halfway through, I'm like, oh, I want them. Can they do that again? <laughs> but the, the, speaking of the disco ball, the whole set is just really lame. Just and- drab. But that's, you know what? It makes it look like they're, they're, it, it doesn't look like they're in Madison Square Garden. It's so small. It's so right. Yeah. It's such. It's such like a, um, like a, a watered like down like 
it looks like a minor league hockey stadium rather it than does. A, you know it the New really York does. Rangers, New York Knicks. Yeah, yeah. That that little rug that they have under the amps, it it it, it feels it doesn't feel like a professional show per se. You know, you go yeah. at that time and you go to concerts at the Garden and you uh, expect. I don't know, you um, two to put on this like high technological show where, you know, there are lights and there are, uh, you know, there are big videos and, and it, it's a show. And Pearl Jam has never cared about the show aspect. They care about the music aspect. They care about the energy aspect. And that's, it's just the differences between going to see, uh, you know, those two bands are going, right. you know, and, and that, that's fine too. I mean, now when you go and see them, there is a show. I mean, it's not, it's not like as let's say immersive as like a U2 show or a Beyonce show, but their stage setup is awesome. They have, they have lights and they have, you know, the, the way they set up their gear on stage is, is the same every time, but it's, it's clean and it's put together and, and they have their way of doing it. But, uh, back then it was it was there was just nothing you know and it right looks, it looks now like looking back it looks terrible i mean it's not about that it's it's about sounding good i, I don't care i don't care what beyonce has on stage if she, if she sounds like shit one night she sounds like shit that doesn't matter so you don't always need that show but it's like when you watch this on like this really bad quality video because it is 1998 who knows what their, who knows what their mobile video device is it's so drab and it's so brown and just <laughs> bad you know it's I, i'm just glad it exists to be honest with exactly, you yeah exactly uh, you know that that people were that cognizant to bring a camera in and and say you know what in 15 to 20 years from now they're they're going to have this little thing on the internet. The internet is growing and, and everybody's going to be watching videos on the internet on uh, a tube that you can watch it on something like that. And it'll all be in high definition. I promise you. <laughs> yeah. They, they were, they were saying that back then. Um, so yeah, I wish I was very happy with wishlist. And I think the crowd was really into it. You know, that's, there's no when songs are good, they're good, and there's no there's no denying that that that's that's exactly. It. Right. Um, Ed asked. Uh, this is kind of a throwback to the last MSG show that we did. He asked if anybody was there last night where they were talking about oh, build the wall. We're gonna build the wall. I'm gonna get my billion dollars for a wall. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna build the wall. That this is this is the wall before the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, about the the Kenneth Star report boxes that he had brought on stage. Uh, that night or that day, the report was actually released. Uh, with all that you know, whatever bullshit. I look. I I was a kid at the time. I, yep. I really and I really don't even care now because. It really, really did not make a difference on this country. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but apparently, like, I don't know. He he keeps talking here, and I'm 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 not really grasping what he's saying. But it's something about, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Kenneth Starr 
type people complaining about pornography on the internet and saying how, you know, there should not be pornography on the internet, even though I'm sure, I'm sure that all of those people are partaking in pornography on the internet because, come on. I think that's what the internet was invented for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Uh, we have we have a bunch of liars on our hands, um, <laughs> and, and then he, he says something about Clinton, and I wasn't really sure. He kind of said the next song is for him. It, it didn't really sound positive, but it didn't really sound negative. He just sounded unsure of himself when talking about Clinton. Did did you grasp that? I, I didn't really grasp what he was supposed to be talking about. Not really. Okay, then <laughs> move on. It was a dumb. It was a dumb era in politics, and you know, hopefully, we can say that about this era in politics. It was dumb, and we can just move on to to other things that are way more important. Um, nothing, man. As we said before, this is part of you know a kind of a cool down, but energetic cool down. And you know, if you're, you know, you're going to expect something pretty big at the end of this cooldown, and that's sort of that's the payoff of all this. But all these versions are really impassioned, and uh, the video screen turned bright when he sang the end of the into the sun part. So that was that was cool. I thought I heard earlier on, which I forgot to mention. I forget what song it is. There's like that little video screen behind Matt. And it looked like it was just playing like bad Windows 98 screensavers or something. It was like, like clouds or it something. It was like really that, right? fast, but when it came on, it sounded like the crowd like cheered for it. And I'm like, oh, it's so 98. <laughs> it's like, that's what they were cheering for. It's like these, like, yeah, like. You know, gradients across the screen. Like, oh, God. The, 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 the pigs with wings flying across the screen. Wasn't that yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Uh, nobody uses screensavers anymore. No, no. Definitely Thing not. Think of the past. Um, all right, then continue onwards. I didn't, I didn't yep. realize that that was going to be your comment about Nothing Man. Sorry about that. Uh, no, Nothing Man. Earlier the better for me, of course, with this song. I will always say. I will also say, put it anywhere because I love. I love to to have it. It's uh, yeah. This is another pretty emotional performance, and uh, yeah, it sounded good. There was. I really don't have any notes for it. I mean, this whole section sounds great. The, the whole section sounds great. It, everything. Everything is in a good spot, and the crowd is responding to it appropriately. Uh, and that's going to get us to immortality, um, which is. Uh, sort of going to end this uh, energetic cooldown. And what I will say is, I remember a couple episodes where you said that uh, it gave you a "won't get fooled again" vibe. Right. I I think I I, I, got, I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Like that yeah. build. Yeah. Apparently, other it's, people like you're. You know, you were on par with what a lot of people say about some versions of the song because it's not right. it's not an uncommon uh opinion about it which which i guess i didn't realize you just you know you kind of painted the perfect picture i guess without even knowing and then you could never unhear it right <laughs> yeah right now uh, it's gonna that that boom, 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 boom. it's such a cool outro it's it, it's doing what corduroy does where it wraps up a section this is its own section here with with immortality at the end and 
fucking awesome. I mean, I like I said, this looks like it, it went on for a little bit too long, but it, it listen to it. it. It doesn't. It's super emotional and totally uh, engrossing, and I love it. And I think what I said before is that a section like this needs a really good payoff. And yeah, yeah, totally. I think when you get rearview mirror in this spot uh, as the payoff, man, this is this is really where I think you're thinking as a fan. You're thinking right now, like, okay, we're this is a special special night that we're witnessing. Um, this was really the, the the moment where I thought if people were really high on this show this is where they started to to figure it out yeah yeah definitely and i could I, be wrong on i could be wrong on that it could it could be uh, but but that that's how that's how it made you feel right because i think that's it a, did. i think that's a completely valid point i think a lot of people would agree with you this is a this is a payoff right here yeah i think that that's such an important aspect of shows that i think that we even us don't you know, uh, we don't kind of put together sometimes uh, that, you know, when you do have a section like this late in the set and you have to come out of it strong, you have to come out of it where the crowd is going to be intense and, and passionate about something. And, and Rear View Mirror is almost 100% of the time that song that's going to give you that re- reaction that you want. Right, because it's followed by Brain of Jay, but... Rearview Mirror is good because it, it's it got a build and it's got an ending. It's got a middle. It's got an outro. And it could build up to Brain of Jay. So if it was Immortality and then Brain of Jay, that's that's too fast. Rearview Mirror is the perfect payoff to this cooldown here because it it brings you back in where where if this was reversed, Brain of Jay would be like a little it's out of place. It's too much. And, and yeah, not, 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 I'm only saying that because... I don't like Brain of Jay after Rearview Mirror here. I feel like I feel like it's a little out of place there as well. I I feel like it almost wasn't even time for it there either. I actually love it there. It reminds me this sort of section reminds me of a show, and I can't remember which one it was, but it was one where you know, they did the same thing, and they kind of came out of uh, a couple slower, energetic ones. And went right into something really fast and really hard, and uh, and they went and save you really late like this, and okay. I, I really really loved it, um, and I actually really love this version of Brandon J. Uh, before we talk about Brandon J, though, uh, this is the part where you can hear Ed say to the security, he says, "Easy, that's a paying customer." You remember that part? Yeah, that was I think. During the second verse or something like that? Sound right? I'm trying to think of where he said that. Yeah, it was somewhere around that part. But it's, I guess, you know, he's he's seeing that security isn't necessary. That, that, that's why I'm sort of thinking that it was maybe the MSG security guards and not the Pearl Jam security guards. That, that was my initial thought, too. Right, because he's, he's, he's chirping. If, if he's chirping... He know he he hopefully knows and trusts his own guys. I would think. Yeah, I would. I would hope so. Uh, so he wouldn't be chirping with the mid show because they would, you know, they would treat them how they would want to be treated. Yeah. But um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that it, that's such a weird comment, and I hope you know maybe 
this person stumbles across this and uh, and can give us some more insight. We can get on some, that. Yeah, we can get the, the full story here. Yeah, you could see um, you could see him though. It's it's really funny. You could see him get get tossed over the barrier. Yeah, and taken out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But you know, don't easy easy. Yep. Easy. Paying customer, hundred percent right with Ticketmaster fees at this point. This is exactly after the Ticketmaster war. So you know, uh, going back into Brada J though, uh, I really have no words for it beyond it just fucking slayed. Uh, Matt killed it on the bridge. Uh, Stone was bringing a little something extra into the verses, uh, and I just think a performance like this defines how a night goes from good to incredible yeah. uh stone was they uh, were ju- stone was tearing his guitars up this night too he's he's really into it it's it's funny i guess i didn't realize that a lot of these yield songs stone takes the lead on a lot of these these yield ones yeah yield is uh it's yeah i mean you're you're right uh, i have to start thinking of yield that way now I mean, all those yesterdays, he, you know, he does uh, a couple. Of, there was another one in here that I'm like, I didn't didn't realize Stone did the solo for. I think he does it in Brain of Jay, though. I think if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Wait, that's right. We talked about that. Shit, was it Brain of Jay? We talked about that a, a few episodes ago, where I said I watched the video and I said I had no idea this whole time that 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 was a that a, was Stone. That was right. a Stone solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now I can't remember it now either. I feel like it was some, that one specifically was something off no code. I but think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but man, this was just this was a just fucking destruction here. Uh, tore it apart, and it goes into black. And look, uh, say what you want about black, but you know, I feel like Brain of Jay into Evolution would have been a perfect way to end the set and then you throw you could have thrown black into the encore it would have been fine it's not that it didn't work here it's just that man uh just go out with a bang just just pull the bandaid off and go out with the bang yeah yeah i agree uh it's tough to get a, a bad black live and uh i'm sometimes take it or leave it with black and i i like it uh when it's really good and i like it when it pops up in cool spots and yeah, I don't think this spot is really that cool. I think it's uh, a little awkward. Yeah, you just played two of your like fast and passionate songs, and you're gonna go into another one right afterwards. I just and sometimes, sometimes they just do this with black, and especially at, at the end of a first set, I really, you know, switch this out and put it in the encore around the same time he do, They do off he goes, and then. I'm all right with it, but here, yeah, not know, my favorite. Immortality, Rearview Mirror, Brain of Jay, and then Black. When you hit Black there and you're getting into the song, it almost waters down the impacts that Rearview Mirror and Brain of Jay had coming out of that Just cool a down. little bit. Just a little bit. Because it's a different kind of passion. It's a different kind of emotion. Um, you know, I don't know if fans think like this, but like I would be thinking to myself, I don't want the type of emotion from black here i want to keep going i i want i want more drive uh yeah it's gonna get it's well and same thing with how it 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 waters down the rearview mirror and brain of jay impact the the impact of black then gets a little lost as you go as you go forward too and that's a shame as well 
that's no criticism on how the song was performed because I thought nope, that this nope. was a really good nope. version. Sim- um, simply placement, simply placement. That's all. That's all I mean. Yeah, uh, and crowd is into it again. And Ed, after the fact, once again, thanks the fans, and he just sounds very pleased that they brought their A game and that everything is working right and uh, they're doing the garden right. Um, I think that was really important to him uh, that they they get the show they get the show down so um this is this is this is turning out to be a legendary show here and it's ending the first set with uh the big one off a of yield um he says it he says something around there's mankind there's time then there's evolution baby <laughs> This just this was awesome. I, I outside of those couple words, like I, I don't ending a set with evolution is, is awesome overall, but uh, you know, next month we'll do the 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 Garden DVD show into from two thousand and three. That's when they shook the stage, but um, I think Patrick wrote in, in his notes uh, that he sent me, he said, if it didn't sh- shake the stage at this show, it, it came pretty damn close. Uh, just, oh my God, so much impact on this. It was just, it was phenomenal. I, I... Stone looks like he's going to uh, break his arm play, <laughs> playing this song. He's playing this song like it's the last time he's ever going to play it. It's yeah. It's really fun to watch. You know, uh, watching that right off the bat, you're like, oh, this is going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's another one he has a solo on. Oh, this is the st- this is the one that I I, I think you could be a, a Pearl Jam layman and still be like, oh, this is this is Stones. This is the, right. This is where we cheer Stone on right here. Right. This is it's so obvious Stones moment 
that that we use that we use it in the intro. It it needs to be. That's I th- I think that's his usually his shining moment. Maybe we can change the intro one time to to Stone just singing uh, Mankind. I think that would be kind of funny. It would be even funnier if is if I could find the like isolated vocal tracks and it's it's not even the band. It's just <laughs> our new intro will be Stone singing Mankind, but it's it's no music. It's just him singing. But one, it's one of the versions where uh, the microphone kind of uh, pops on him and it, it screeches <laughs> on him a little bit. And you still hear that too, right? Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, man, that, that was a great way to end your first set and you're getting into your encore here. Um, here it is, guys. This is, this is the night. This is what makes the night for a lot of people. Everybody during the encore is holding up their breath sign. Um, you know, the people that are giving them out are, are asking around. They're saying, does anybody not have a sign? And uh, I believe the whole front is just littered with breath signs. And for everybody that's shared that uh, their picture. Is that what they were throwing on stage? Were they throwing mm. up the crumpled signs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, and there are a lot of people that shared their breath sign with us. Uh, thank you right. for sharing that. that just, I mean, you know, just seeing that is, is very cool. Uh, but, um, you know what? I'm going to let Ed speak for himself here. Let's play this whole speech into the song. Uh, and then we'll, we'll react to it because it, it's just, it's a moment in time that has to s- you know, stand alone on itself. And, you know, um, I can't put into words any any better than Eddie Vedder. So listen to him, and he makes it pretty clear uh, what they are about to do and how they are about to just gain the admiration and respect of the fans. You fucking cocksuckers. You fucking bitch! You fucking... You know, we come up here as a collective band and we give and we give and you just fucking want more and you know what? We deserve it. <laughs> this is some kind of... This is like organized religion here. Uh, I've never seen it like this. Do you see what's happening? You see what was happening? It's the third night in a row, right? Third night in a row, this shit is going on. Well, fuck you, we're gonna play.
So they get their long-awaited wish. Hadn't been played since 1994. 149 shows in between. And, um, you know, once again, this campaign was really developed by some fans on the Internet that said, uh, you know, we haven't heard breath in, in a long freaking time. So let's hear it. Let's let's hear what they did. And uh, I love, as you heard right there after the first line, uh, Ed asks, how's that? And the crowd just responds to their, <laughs> I mean, he's toying with them and, and they're loving it. Um so, from inquiring with folks, they seem to believe it was the first time that the band had sort of caved into fans' demands and understanding that the fans are as much a part of the show that that they are. Um, and that something as powerful as a campaign like this can change the course of how the band sees you know what they're doing and there's they could have at that point if they if the fans never did anything we we might be sitting here in 2019 and they may have never played breath again sure entirely possible or maybe not as often as they do now i you know you talk to a lot of people and there are a lot of people that'll say breath is uh is one of their favorite songs it is not uncommon to hear that so if it wasn't going to happen here, it was going to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And we've talked about this before, how songs like even flow and alive and black and breath go hand in hand with Pearl jam fandom. For some people, it is their favorite song. It's what, it's what made the band for them. It's, it's what they remember the most. It's what they listen to. It's what they want. And listening to this uh, I had to think about the time and uh, who was seeing the show and, you know, how, how much harder it was back then to campaign for a song that has been played. And I, I really appreciate it. And I think it's fantastic. And I, I like that Pearl Jam got wind of it and they did it and the people brought their signs. And, and I think people that were going to the show back then, those are the people that hold breath really close to their heart. And, and these are the people that, obviously wanted to campaign for this song because as you said it, it's a lot of people's favorite songs and i completely agree i think i think breath is one of those songs that probably brought pearl jam fandom uh to a new level because of the time period so that's how i had to think of it personally though i don't have that connection with the song i i don't really like the song to be honest with you it's nowhere near one of my favorite pearl jam songs i I I I think it's a it's a good song but I personally don't understand or agree with the fandom behind it. Um it's special. Uh look, I I you know, I think that the relationship that people have with the song is special. You know, this is Oh yeah, it, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's not. I I understand right. that completely and and it's special for the band to do it. That's special for I mean, if you're a fan, it, Forget it. I mean, this is the ultimate stat. You got to think, you know, unless unless they did it with you know something like Dirty Frank or <coughs> Big Wave or something. But um, I think back then it's it's less about stats and it's more about you know just just hearing it. Um, there, sure, there were so many people absolutely. that that got in touch with us that said that they heard that they played Breath at the show, so they went and they got 
tickets to the Hartford show. Yeah. And they ended up doing doing it at the Hartford show the night after. So, you know, that that's Yeah, yeah. No, no, and, and I, I know that I am in the in the minority because I know that it is a, a huge fan favorite. Like I said, I think this this is a song that especially at probably everybody at these shows in nineteen ninety eight, they were obviously gunning for this song. And um yeah, so I had to think about the time period when I when I thought of that because for me it's just it's not it's not that special to me, but uh, I'm I'm from a different age, you know, of of the fandom. Sure, um, I think what, but but you got to think about what this song means. Uh, you know, singles was a really popular movie. Singles, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, Exa- exactly. That got people into the grunge scene. That really, you know, showed that this was something special. That the bands in Seattle were something special. Um, and you know, this and the next song that we'll talk about after breath, uh, which might not be for a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not songs that they're not radio Pearl Jam songs. They're, they're, they're songs that they, that the fans will pick up, uh, if they listen to singles and, and, you know, that's the radio fan that just buys the albums is never going to know this song if they don't go and search for it and and it it, it's more in that aspect it's more rare because there's no there's no internet is really very new with uh the downloading process at this point um so when you learn about stuff and you learn about new songs and uh and things like that i think that there are people out there that that consider this a real insider song you know that that this is this belongs to the Pearl Jam fans more than you know Alive does more than Even Flow does more than Black does, right, um, right. and maybe that was part of the reason why they said let's bring it back. Uh, you know, and, and really, you can't think of a better time or place to do it. Um, if you did it night one on a Thursday, bleh, who cares? Yeah, especially um, especially in that set, it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. But that that. They were smart to do that because that means the anticipation for the next night was there, and everybody that was that was going to both shows would be able to say like, "Well, night one, you know, really didn't meet the expectations, but night two they played Breath and and blew everybody out of the water." Um, so look, I think it started the idea that anything can happen at a Pearl Jam show. I really think that this was the kickoff of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my whole thing is just with with the song. I say, I think this is great. I love that they they listened to the fans. They played it. They they the fans wanted to hear this deeper cut. It's not a radio song, and people really connected to the song. My whole viewpoint is, I just don't have that connection to the song. So I I say to myself, really, you went through all that trouble for for breath, you know? Because I, I get the rarity and I get the feeling. It's just the song doesn't. Just from a a a a, 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 song, a song listening viewpoint, you know, Matt, 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 don't be upset that they're not going to do what they did for Breath with Big Wave. They're going to. I'm going to. They're not happen. going to do that. We, it, 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 you know, we have enough listeners where if they wanted to, they can start that. But I'm going to start it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Mark my words, it will be played in 2019, <laughs> 2020. Uh, <laughs> as long as they play. Let's get them to play first. 
Um, uh, how about I'll, I'll do something crazy. I'll mark it down right here. How about if, um, how about in their next tour, if they don't play Big Wave, I'll I'll do like a live, a live head shave stream. No, I was gonna say like uh, I'll, I'll I'll eat a worm or something, but geez, head shave. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm willing dude, to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, look at the, the, you have you have the long locks, man. Yeah, I want to keep them though. <laughs> yeah, but but but. So you're saying if they do big wave, then you'll do it, or they no don't? no if they, if they don't, I was gonna Ooh, say I'll tough. do something. Yeah, there's All like right, a well, ninety there's like a ninety eight percent chance that I'll have to do whatever I say I I I'll do because they're not gonna play it. But I right. figured I'd spice this up a little bit. I we can we can talk we can we we How about can this? discuss if you guys listen to this and you you want to see me do something weird. Uh, Give Send us some in your suggestions, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to regret this big time, I think. <laughs> Pearl Jam, you better play Big Wave and save me here. Uh, we'll, we'll have to think of something for you to do. Uh, I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this, this shaving, shaving your head game. I am not. I am not. I got to pull that off the table. Well, let's let's see how many how, how many more people will uh, go to bat for that. Okay. Well, and if there's uh, enough, that then... that no that that suggestion will be completely ignored. That's <laughs> officially off the table. So don't even waste don't waste your time suggesting that. Uh, <laughs> um, before we end this little section on breath i do want to just mention it has to it has to be said here i was hoping you'd bring it up yeah this was not a good performance by any stretch of the imagination but that's not what this is a, is about it's true um you know they, they had they didn't play it four plus for years they they didn't play it so yes there's going to be ring rust on it um they probably didn't rehearse this in sound check because they knew if somebody got wind that they were doing it in sound check then everybody was going to figure it out the, and the then jig is up type thing yeah exactly this, so this they're, they're to be something they rehearse that. on acoustic guitars you know backstage so yeah no hear it. you're not gonna it's not gonna be the same right right so uh, look um it was not the best performance of the song that doesn't matter what matters is they played it when people asked for it, and they got what they wanted. And now, and now you can hear it in 2018, 2019, and it will sound like an amazing song. Yeah. It will sound awesome because they've realized that if the fans are going to want something, well, we're not going to give it to them every day, but we'll make sure that that special moment that they get it is exactly what it is. It's, it's special. So yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be the one because I, I just, you know, kind of went on a rant on how I. I don't like the song to begin with. So I didn't want to be the one to say that this performance wasn't that good. So thank you for taking that bullet for me. Again, not not what it was about at all. Even so. though I am even though I am agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ed says right here, same record, different track, state of love and trust, and the energy is completely transferred over. Uh, this is to me such a fantastic spot to get the fans continuing their wild streak, um, and even fans that like subconsciously are just like, oh my god, they're doing both the single songs back to back uh you have to throw it in there just just for that that fact um i and i've always loved state of love and trust in the encore more than any other spot and geez ed ed on this one it really showed how 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 
good and how how good he was this night. Uh, uh, that's it was just a pleasure to listen to this whole thing. He hit everything. He hit everything. Um, I'm very take it or leave it with state of love and trust, but this one is a take it. It uh, it's super heavy. It's it's strong. It's loud. It's fast and a great spot. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, from there into off he goes. This is, um, I think, breaks up a little bit of this momentum. Uh, I, if you do Leatherman here and then go into off he goes, if you switch it around, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, it, but, it, would, it would have gone into Better Man better. Yeah, but the momentum is a little... The momentum gets sidetracked, I think. Uh, you, you have so much energy off of breath. You have so much energy that is in the state of love and trust. And then off he goes, while... This is a good spot for it and a spot that we recognize it being in nowadays. It is not, this is not a cool down encore. Um, so it really is not the best transition. Uh, although the song sounds great, the, the performance sounds great, just not not the spot I'd put it in. No, no, me either. Me either. I'd, I'd switch it because Leatherman was awesome here too i mean leatherman was a sounded great and i think it needs to be switched i think it should go state leatherman off he goes better man but i can't i can't make that that switch now 20 something years later unfortunately mm, nope that's uh <laughs> yep what's what's written in stone is is stays in stone but um uh ed kind of tells the story about who leatherman was uh something about uh going into caves or something like that um Hey, Randy, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Do you remember the Leatherman from our hometown? Oh, I remember there was one. So just a quick backstory. Randy and I actually had our own, very own Leatherman in our in our town on Long Island when we were growing up. And you'd be able to take this one road, Ocean Avenue, uh, up to Main Street. And there were two banks there. And that's always where he frequented. And it was a man that wore... Um, all black fishing gear, you know, like the big boots and the coveralls and the hat, like the Gordon's Fisherman, but all black in the middle of summer. It was really strange. And he pushed around a, uh, a shopping cart. Uh, but that shiny black rubber gave it this kind of leather look because it was worn out and it was gross and really uh, uh, dirty. And he was known as, as Leatherman around our town. And uh, I'll never forget him. The town kook. Yeah, uh, he's not he's not the number one kook. In, I guess he was also town. kind of like our Crazy Mary at the same time, all rolled into oh, one, right? <laughs> no, uh, Freebird was our Crazy Mary. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Jeez. Freebird Free was Free literally um, a guy that sat on a bench. He uh, had long hair. Was that right outside the movie theater by, uh, town, uh, by uh, 401? That, that was right outside of Town Hall, I believe. Okay, was. okay. Um, and he had a guitar with him usually, usually like a tie-dye shirt. He was very much a hippie. Um, somebody went up to him. I think it might have been Elmo, uh, you know, a friend from back in the day, uh, went up to him and asked him what his name was. So he told him his name. He's like, my human name is this, but my space name is Urkel Buggerl Rigel 7, you know, something like that so he was a little yeah, he out was, there he was from outer space outer space yeah 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 uh but we always kind of said if we listen to him play guitar he only really knew me and julio down by the schoolyard 
and that was it. And, and, so uh, Kodachrome. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he was a Simon and Garfunkel fan. Um, so so and to give you guys kind of a sense of location, where I said Leatherman was is on the is actually literally on the opposite side of the town. It's the two opposites. So we had we had Leatherman and we had Crazy Crazy Marty on the other side. Freebird. <laughs> Freebird. Well, I'm putting it into uh, Pearl Jam. Oh, context okay. Here. I, I got it. Got <laughs> it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, all right. Anyway. Leather Man. Yeah. This is this is two thirds of uh, the Man Trio. We got yep. all of them yeah. on this night, but uh, two third two thirds consecutively. Um, the crowd is dead during this. Uh, it sounds good, but this is a B side at the time that I don't think that the crowd is really familiar with so um while you're getting people jumping around during state of love and trust and breath and all that uh leatherman did not have that at all uh it's really the first time they've seen tame which really stinks looking back because we've come to really enjoy the song so when you see a crowd that's not reacting to it as well as you'd hoped uh because of the time the time period it's it's a little bit of a bummer but I thought it sounded really good. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it does sound good here. Um, you know, maybe it, maybe it, like follow up to Off He Goes, which is a very you know just sort of psalm song. Uh, maybe that's why the crowd wasn't really into it. Possibly. All right, we were at Leatherman. We said we got half of the Man Trio here. And that's uh, better man now. That's better man. You said, okay, the crowd's no longer tame. The crowd is back into it. Uh, and before we get into your thoughts about this better man, I just want to mention that MSG has had some real legendary better mans. Uh, we've talked about them before, but really that the 2010 version uh, that's on the PJ20, it's like the quintessential better man. You know, it's the one where if you type in better man, on uh youtube it's probably the first thing that comes up because it's a professional video uh you know and it's one of the best versions so yeah but this msg version let's let's hear what you have to say about it because uh you know this is yeah so the the crowd goes from tame to energetic for the song but the band switches now from energetic to tame and i thought this is a a, a little bit of a tame version of better man and i was a li- i was uh, I, it's kind of boring to be honest i was very disappointed i i agree with that i i think that um it, it wasn't it wasn't the most impressive i think that that better man is a song that has grown in years that once they've gotten yeah. tighter and stronger as a band it's really uh, that, hard to go back and compare especially yeah to, to say a 2018 performance of it Right, and the tag here, you know how tags feel now, where the, it's it's got strong crowd participation. The tag did not hit the mark for me. This it was, one was they, not good. Yeah, he, he was actually singing the lyrics to save it for later. It slows uh, it slows down too much. I think. It, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. It, it's it's tame in comparison to other versions, but you know what? It's not egregious. It's in a good spot. The crowd was really into it, so that's I think what made the song. Uh, you know, probably another good version, special version for people on this night. Right. So, uh, this was a fun moment. Stone says, since we're 
We're playing uh, every song in the catalog tonight. You knew at some point I was going to sing one. <laughs> and it's scooter time. Time for mankind. Uh, here he comes. Here he comes. Here comes Scooter. Here comes Scooter. No <laughs> one's holding back. Uh, sometimes they hold back a little bit on the song, and it doesn't have that, I guess, uh, oomph, emphasis, aggression, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, it just sometimes sound, sounds boring. This one didn't sound boring to me. It's it's one of those songs to me, it, even if it's boring or even if they put their whole heart and whole self into mankind, to me, it it will always sound exactly the same, which is just... It's just there, you know. Uh, it's cheesy. It's bouncy. It's bubbly. I don't even think it's that cheesy. I, I mean, I. It's cheesy. I really have. I really. I don't know how to describe this song, but it's almost like I hear the exact same version every single time. It's so middle of the road. I can make the exception for the one time. Did they open the encore with it on the show we did? Do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember where it was. Uh, it was. It was in like a fantastic spot and. Yeah, it might that, have it might have opened the encore. That changed the song. It changed the whole feel of the song because the spot was so good. This spot, it's not good, and there's nothing there's nothing great about it to me. I like I like the spot because it's it's specialized. So Stone is singing at the end of the night, and I think that it adds an extra element of something that is special. Uh, I, Mankind I, wasn't super rare at that point, but um, looking back, it, it definitely. Uh, feels more rare. I I agree, but I I agree to the point for the feeling of the rarity and for the for for having Stone sing it in the encore. That's cool. Uh, Eddie leaves the stage and Stone has you know he's front and center. But just as a song, I don't like it here. <laughs> Maybe it's because the one time I saw it, I saw it around here. Okay. I saw it in an encore, so I, I like I and I thought it was special then. Sure. Um, so that's why I'm okay with it, but stone stones into it and it's rubbing off on the rest of them. So, you know, the, the crowd seems into it too. Uh, and here we are, we're in, um, we're in the last stages of, of this show. Uh, and we're going to talk about and play every single one of these songs. Uh, so Right now, Ed says that apparently last night some inferior band tried to play this next song on TV. Uh, that inferior band, I believe, was Third Eye Blind uh, on some kind of award show that I believe was the MTV Music Awards. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I looked it up, though, and there was no mention of their performance at all. No. Uh, I, I found out from a fan that commented because uh, I, I looked and saw the same thing. But I, I saw it in I saw it in YouTube uh, comments actually. Yeah. So that you know, uh, if it happened, it happened. But you know, Eddie said that uh, you know corporate cocksuckers need to leave the song these songs alone, and and they know who they are. Um, you know, he's pandering to a crowd. What a fucking asshole to be honest like that i can't tell you how mad that made me when i heard that because let me tell you why there are a lot of third eye blind fans out there that think might think pearl jam is shit like you you i I, you're covering a song that maybe another band is covering too like i is it necessary for you to just because they're a commercial act and they're playing on a on a uh uh an award show you have to 
you know, uh, downgrade them or, or, or talk about them like that. I, I just think that's, that's who they are. That's, that's but just I, who I they were back then. I, I know. Say and that's I, who and they I think now, it's, cause... and I, I thought it was total bullshit. And I, I, like in that moment, I lost a little bit of respect for him because I thought that was completely unnecessary. And, and, uh, and I don't really know what his point was. It's like, here I am, Eddie Vedder, and I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't deal with the corporate bullshit, blah, 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 blah. But you do in a, in a way. I mean, no one avoids it completely. You're playing Madison Square Garden. So take your head out of your ass and don't make comments like that. I just, it to- totally turned me off and, and took me out of the moment. Um, and someone had mentioned that uh, Stephen Jenkins, I, I, maybe maybe Pearl Jam was firing back a little bit because Stephen Jenkins had had said something about you know Eddie Vedder walks around with like sheriff glasses on, monitoring every band and their musical <laughs> styles and modes. And you know what? It's totally true. And then you come out and you say something like that. It's like fuck you, dude. Like Eddie, I love you, and Pearl Jam, I love you, but fuck you. Like it's just not. It's not what you do. Uh, right. I, yeah. I, okay. I can see back then, yes, he, he's he's the police and the authority, thinks he's the authority on the subject because they aren't on MTV and yet they still get popular. So that's, that's a huge sign for, you know, you know, trying to uh, basically put yourself on a pedestal there that, yeah. hey, we yeah. don't need MTV to have fans to sell out the garden, all that stuff. And the... The one thing that I guess bothers me about the comment is, is who are you to kind of say that another band can't play a certain song? Yeah, it might it might not be a good version. It might suck. A lot of bands have tried to play Bob O'Reilly, and it has sucked. Oh, um, sure. Pearl Jam is one of the few that can do it justice. Yeah, but we've there. There's been some. Uh, there's been some. Pearl Jam versions of Bob O'Reilly that have been very bad, you know, Michael missed the solo or, you know, they're, they're not, they're not perfect either. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that comment. And then I, I read another, uh, comment that <laughs> this would, <laughs> this one made me laugh. And I'd love if someone could shed some light on this, if this is at all true, because it's, it's, this is, this is really funny. Uh, Someone said, I thought the beef was with the lead guy from Goo Goo Dolls who had possibly said that Eddie Vedder was probably a hall monitor in school, (laughs) 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 which is like, which is kind of like leads back into what Stephen Jenkins said, how like Eddie's trying to go around. He's like, he's like the police officer of who's playing what in the music industry or or who's doing things that he, he wouldn't do and why it's wrong. You know, I thought those were, were pretty funny. I didn't think what Eddie said was funny, though. I, I I didn't appreciate that at all. But I will say that I think that that mentality of his has changed now. I think he has. I, I if, do, if too. He, if he doesn't have respect for, for musicians, he doesn't go out and he, and say it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't care about a band like Imagine Dragons, but he won't just go during a show and like, be like Imagine wow. Dragons are an inferior band. Yeah, he won't yeah, say exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. He's, just, he's saying that at the time because he... He knows that you know he doesn't need the band doesn't need MTV to be popular, and these these bands do. He knows the crowd there is going to eat it up as well. Of and, course, that it's pandering, and they're kind of also in the you know a real meaty part of their of their anti everything. You know, yep. with the with demographic music, is music videos and the demographic of their fans are it's it's strong. So yeah so uh, i understand his mindset at the time and 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 his attitude at the time but i i don't appreciate the 
the comment or the sentiment at all. Uh, this was a good version of Baba, though. This was um, a great version of Baba. <laughs> let's let's get back into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody is jumping. Everybody is rocking. Um, it just there's one camera angle on the video pretty much the whole time, and it's got that little kind of perch that's at the end of uh, where I guess that uh, the section that that uh, blends into the stages and you see every single person up and down up and down up yep. and down and it's just oh man it's awesome so we're gonna play it up until the 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 chorus where the crowd takes over and and shows the band and tells the band how much of a meaningful experience it was this night to, to see them song that um always hits its spots i mean it's such a fan favorite wherever you go whatever type of person that music listener that you are uh you know the song you love the song you respect this song and uh you know the, the band has just made it you know i i don't think the song can be bigger than it is but the band is as given it just to, put the respect into the song that it deserves uh, you know probably the same way the third eye blind did yeah and uh <laughs> the the whole idea with the who is like you know selling out and all that stuff it's 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 so the music carries on i mean it's they're still touring i don't think it's them beating a dead horse either they're doing different things and they have different aspects to their shows and they want to make sure that the music whatever it whatever it is lives on and and uh that's why i like to see pearl jam do these these covers and i was thinking about this the other day what if they just shocked us and they started doing all new classic rock covers that they've never done before oh i would love that like they do like different bruce springsteen songs they do like (laughs) a different yeah um i mean that would be awesome. Like bands, we, we kind of know the bands that have influenced them. Uh, but it, I, 
I don't think it stops there. I think that there could be like 10, 15 other bands that they could do on a normal basis that would yeah, sound really yeah, good. I, I'm talking like they come out during encores and they start doing songs that are like guilty pleasures. Like what is a Pearl Jam guilty pleasure that would just blow us away? I would love to know. Maybe I don't uh, want to know. It might yeah. it might be really weird. Well, remember that time period that they were doing Fortunate Son? Right. And it yeah. kind of just like faded away. That was yeah. that was so weird that that it was so prominent during an era and then it just all of a sudden never play it again. So maybe something along those lines. Uh, cool. I don't know. Maybe what if they did like uh, I don't know, The Joker by Steve. Yeah, Marquez. take take the money and run or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, something long, real random. Long train running. Yeah, uh, they've never done a dead song. Oh, if they came out and did like Scarlet Begonias, I'd probably piss my pants. That'd be amazing. I I think him and Jerry Garcia are on a very similar level. I think it would sound very good. I think I think it absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this is again my favorite part of the set with the, these these three songs. Probably uh, Ed introduces a good old friend Ben Harper onto the stage, and uh, he's praising hey. the crowd while doing it. We've seen this before. Yes, we have, and it won't be the first time, won't be the last time, and uh, and he's saying the energy of the night just felt pretty damn good, and. Um, Let's get to Indifference, and this is Indifference with Ben Harper, and man, the one thing I will say is that we're going to play it from, starting from his part, he sings the first chorus, and you hear some, he's a little nervous, and you watch him, he's kind of like his, uh, he's, like, look, he's looking around, he's, yeah, his uh, hands yeah. are at his side, and, and he's really close to Eddie, and he's, he looks a little awkward during this, but man, and, and you can tell, uh, if you listen here, he during uh, the part the do 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 he he's still singing over that and he kind of forgets that you know that's not his part and uh, you know although he opened he was the opener playing with Pearl Jam at Madison Square Garden on that stage that is intimidating you. as hell <laughs> so he did get over it though let's listen to his whole part that chorus and that verse there. Doesn't mean 
his little that little flub and just like getting the I guess the the jitters out. Um, he puts it together the impassioned version that he always does, uh, especially when he's in the garden. And uh, you know, like we said, the next show on the docket is is live at the garden DVD, and you all know what's coming. Um, you know, uh, with my own two hands, I can change this world. That like there's. A lot of really, really good stuff. We, we, I wish we could play that whole one, uh, you know, that whole show on DVD. Even though <laughs> people say that night two is better than night one, um, we'll get into that conversation another time. But yeah, uh, yeah that man, um, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with his appearances. No, definitely not. And, and you can't go wrong with his appearances on this song. I, I I think I liked the last one we did more than this one because again he's he seemed a little nervous but it's almost like maybe he was made to sing the song uh, originally <laughs> maybe he should have written this song instead because it's it's magic when he's on it it really is yeah you know and it's not one of those songs you know when people go out and they play with with the band uh, it's I guess it's more hits and it's more covers and things like that but. I think it's really it's fascinating that he is involved on a song that's you know there it's sort of like a a inside anthem so to speak like mm. you know if you have verses you know the song but uh, for Pearl Jam fans this is this means something special to Pearl Jam fans this song definitely and, uh, and you could tell it means something to him too so man. It's just everything is just so fun at the end here. I think it's it might be my lap, my favorite final three to end a set. What you were saying, you know, how this song really means something. Um, and especially you get you get Ben Harper out there to sing it, which he uh, I mean, like I said, I, I think he sounds better on it than anybody. But you get that as the set ender and it's like, holy crap. Wait a minute. What? It's, it's not the set ender. It's not the set ender. Oh, and holy Tim Tim Allen grunt. <laughs> um you can't end the show without doing their their song, the, the their most popular song, the song the their arena so- rock song that will be played in arenas for for decades to come. Um this and, they, you know, this is usually the penultimate song or, you know, close to the end, the beginning of the bread and butter. But this is every it, it got shifted up a little bit where Alive got put down to the closer. The cover went first and then Indifference, which usually goes last, is in the middle. I, I yeah. love it. I love uh, how and, and I think, Alive ends it. I think hearing Indifference here with, with, with Ben singing on it, once that ends and they start Alive, I think I would have been shocked almost to the point where i would have said oh i forgot about this one you know because you're so you're so mesmerized and hypnotized by indifference to where alive i think i i mean i'd love to get other people's uh uh, thoughts on it that were actually there but alive could come as a huge surprise at this point yeah uh look a show this good a show of this magnitude in that arena is going to end with their their song, the song that made them, the song that uh, is their staple. I just think after seeing something like Indifference like that, 
once they go into another song, especially Alive right after it, I, I think it probably blew a lot of people away. Yeah, the crowd is just because your mind so is just for this. yeah, and your mind is just taken somewhere else when when indifference is being played that you're like that was that was great, and then Alive comes in and you're like what <laughs> the house lights are up everybody's on their feet every word beautiful thing but um let's play let's play a little part of it just so you get you know the the last piece of the crust here with this this type of bread and butter it ain't your everyday bread and butter um and it adds to the overall bread and butter of the show yeah yeah so let's let's uh let's listen in. just the song closing the show but look you you get another eddie uh daredevil moment here and um he's going you know the crowd is 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 watching him as he takes his microphone and he's swinging it up in the air he's, he's getting as much cord as he can and he's swinging it up in the air he's got a little lighting rig and he's trying to to get it to stick on the lighting rig and it takes him about four or five times the mic finally holds on and you could hear the crowd simultaneously just all burst into cheers. And Ed climbs the goddamn microphone cord and dangles there for a couple of seconds while just enjoying the whole thing. And he, uh, man, you could you could just hear how crazy the crowd is. There's some great pictures of it. It's just what a fun moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- and this is another thing on the video. You got to look at the crowd because the house lights are on. And this is where you really get a good view. It feels like the crowd is is like right on top of them. You know what I mean? Like uh, 
they're just they're absolutely surrounded and the stage setup is so small that it feels like everyone it feels like a storyteller's almost because because uh, of how it's laid out it's a really cool thing right I, I wish we could have seen just what the whole entire arena would have looked like yeah it does feel so small just in that shot once he gets that mic over every every hand every arm in the whole building goes up to the air but what if what if that snapped what if that, that that's pretty dangerous you know it's not like he has done dangerous things before but yeah, what if that yeah don't you love back in the day where he would just uh, throw throw caution to the wind <laughs> um, i mean so what it, what it looks like it looked like uh, the microphone went all the way over and then um hit the ground so what he was holding on to looked like the microphone cable was like doubled like doubled over so right so it's almost kind of like how you know you go on a, a rock climb or something like that yeah so so once it's over the lighting rig if it's like uh like a pipe if it's not hitting on like a sharp edge it obviously did it sh- i was gonna say it should hold you I wouldn't stay up there for more <laughs> more than a couple minutes. But. And he was pretty smart not to. Yeah. He, yeah, no, he no, exactly. He was only there yeah. for a little little bit, but, you know, you get the crowd pop. Um, and what a way to end an already, you know, in a lot of people's minds, perfect night. So, I mean, you're never, never going to get that again, you know? No. And if you do, you're not ever going to expect it. You don't go to these shows and be like, what is Eddie going to climb up or jump off today? Good ending for a great show. Uh, let's rate it. I'm, I'm going to have a really difficult time with this, but I want to hear what you have to say. Like I said, I, I needed to talk it out and uh, I need to put myself in the time. I mean, I absolutely love the set. There's not much I would change. Uh, it's, it, it's a hit set. It's a bread and butter set list. Uh, and there's a lot of really, really good high points. There are some points where it is very, you know, playing through the motions in some points where the, the songs aren't spectacular, but they're not bad either. So I want to give it, oh man, this is, this is really tough. I, I'm going to give it a 7.5, um, because I really want to give it an eight though. I'll get, you know, what? I'll give it an eight because they listened to a crowd campaign and uh, and even it, though I even though I don't you always like the give song, the benefit, yeah, you always give the benefit of the doubt to. I, I got uh, I got to go benefit of the a doubt. Special for that. Moment, a special moment. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've been thinking about this all day, literally all day, how I would rate this, and the first thing that came to my mind was like, okay, maybe I can't rate this. Maybe I I I won't submit a rating to this because. Everybody, you know, has a different experience of this, and if they say it's the best show of all time, I don't know if I can follow up and, and agree with them. Um, you know, just by listening to the bootleg, I can't I can't say it's the best show of all time. However, that's not fair to those people that were there and did experience and were part of that energy. Um, but then I thought, how many shows have we done that? I've rated and I've been okay with rating. Um, that's not fair to those other shows that I just say that this one, I, I, I can't rate it because everybody else loves it and I can't put my finger on it. Um, you know, the, the, that's the biggest difficulty for me this whole entire time was trying to find reasons 
why this show is so highly regarded besides breath besides a couple other things because on paper it's 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 a show um but this is the magic of pearl jam this is what you know again they have so much stories so many stories and so many uh things that go down in the lore of their history that i just i really really think that I agree with most people's statements that this is one of the better or best shows that they've ever done um, because I was able to feel it from the crowd. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best audio that I was hearing, but uh, it's really, really tough. I think if I were there, it was probably. I think the crowd was a ten. Uh, oh, definitely. First, first of all, this is MSG. This is the Garden. Uh, you go big or go home here. You know, uh, this it's make or break. And to say that you know they were invited back a couple years later and they they killed it then too, man. Um, I think I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. And I'm I'm giving it a lot of benefit of the doubt off of you know hearsay and just history of it uh as far as my enjoyment of it i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it but i don't think i could ever enjoy it the same way as the other people in this world can uh you know it just 98 is not our wheelhouse we've said it before even though i love yield it the, the live circuit it's not our wheelhouse yet we want to we're going to dig into every era as much as we can but um this is the best show from that era and um i still you know it, it was just it was it was very i can't really put into words right now it's just very difficult to think of why this show was so special to me or so special in general uh when to me it was listening to a bootleg and it just being another show the same way that barcelona was or something else was but i do respect and understand the history of the band and that's why i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt yep so um but to that to that matter i do want to read a story from uh, patrick who's come on our show before we actually uh, I had written to Patrick and said, hey, you know, there's there's a pretty good chance that we can't get a show together this week because of, you know, flights and all that. And, uh, hey, we got it together. Uh, I didn't think I'd be saying that at 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> last night. So, uh, and I, I was actually going to ask Patrick to come on uh, if we were going to do it next week because I, I, I thought that this really deserved the this really deserved somebody to to being there to to talk about it um you know to get his experience and maybe that would have swayed uh a rating a rating in a different uh direction for us um you know maybe his experiences will would have uh you know we would have kind of appreciated it a little more but i will read a story here uh I, I basically wrote to him and I asked him why the show was 
so popular besides breath and this is how he started off he said so breath was really more than the uh the cherry on top and when people say cherry on top talking about a sunday that the rest of the sunday was way better the cherry just looks nice with artificial color and i think that's really that's that that's important to to know uh because yes people do the cherry's what draws your eye you know it's it's bright exactly uh, and it's what you know people will remember it because it was very it was a visual thing that you know everybody held breath signs up and everybody does remember it for three nights that they were doing this uh and another thing we were talking about the audio quality so he says the audience tapes are always a touch of a challenge these are no exception there is a decent two source mix that picks up more of the dynamics but unless you are listening to a lossless audio source a lot of the compression kills the high and low end and like i said before i was listening to it on uh the youtube version because i wasn't able to download the boot that we got in time for for our flight so you know i i i feel like I, I i lost out on maybe a little bit of a better sound i don't know if you can attest to that or it's it's not much better okay all right <laughs> I, look i i wasn't even able to hear it through headphones on an airplane so yeah. that's that just reminds reminds me i i edited two episodes of our podcast on an airplane and I remember them not being two of my favorite episodes for that reason. <laughs> uh, okay, get back into this. He said, you really rarely get enough separation to hear some of the more subtle things that the musicians are doing in the mix on the audio tapes. From release to alive, this show is pretty much spot on. Breath arguably is the low point carried by the frenzy the crowd was in. And that's, we sort of said that, that, that Breath was not, really the the best performed song of the night so you know take it for what it is it's a special moment but as far as musically goes they did not rehearse it they were very timid going into it and they just kind of didn't want to mess it up that's how they were playing it um they were making up for what was a blah night with passion and precision and even if i could have thought things like this would have been a great night for porch or i wish they would have busted out red mosquito it would just be quibbling Release was good, as good as I've ever heard it, live, live and in person or on any boot. They hammered through the first part of the set like they were on a mission to erase the night before. Even flow, give and fly, corduroy, MFC, habit, were a ferocious build of energy. Faithful, back by daughter with the haunting uh, velvet on, underground tag, just leveled the garden. I would rate the Yield Tour not among their best for a variety of reasons, but the one thing that was really excellent was Ed's vocals were about as good as they'd ever been next to 93 and 94 and daughter showcases that that's i i think i you know i said that and maybe from reading that i uh had listened and, and agreed and, and formed that opinion from reading what patrick said so uh uh that's yeah i think that's spot on though um I'm not a big fan of Wishlist Live, so it's there. It was a breather. Most of the crowd loved it. From there, it just amped up right again. Nothing Man into in, Immortality into Rearview Mirror was spectacular and realistically should have ended the set. But again, they were determined to erase night one, so they fired through Brandon J with Stone on fire and a tremendous black, which was briefer than later years. But Mike was reaching back to tear the ceiling off the garden. To finish the set with Evolution was just unreal. They felt it shake in 2003, but it was shaking just as hard in 1998. Encore one, of course, Breath. 
Truthfully, it's never been played as well as it was spring of 94, but it was a battle to get it played, and the fans won. Always fun to hear Stone on the mic and making uh, Mankind, sorry, uh, that was a typo. He told me there would be some typos. And Mankind was still energetic and spirited uh, to close so close to no code. State and off he goes were the best of Encore 1 and a very ruckus Baba, which I assumed it was going to be. Indifference with Ben Harper, just as glorious, and finish with Live was just a pinnacle. Ed had been flirting with some stunts show after show in the latter part of the 98 tour. He often was tossing his microphone over the lighting rig during the final song, but doing nothing after hooking it. And this night, during a live, after three or four shots, he got it up and then proceeded to pull himself up the mic cord toward the rig while Mike wailed away. When this show is released as a vault, I'm sure I can find a word or two. A lot of fans get a little bit over overly nostalgic for the Yield Tour. After a few years of DIY touring and hard to get access with uh, to the band without extra effort, 60 plus shows all over created euphoric moments. I went to seven shows on all all on the second U.S. leg. They were all good except for the night one at MSG, which was a huge buzzkill. I've listened to tour tapes re- repeatedly from every show available this tour. I'm always cautious not to overestimate a show I was at, but to me, MSG 2 is the best show that Pearl Jam had played through 1998, that tour, and all prior. That's... I, I can't argue with him because... He remembers because he was there. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that's... I like it. Uh, he kept it really fair. He said, he said, MSG Night 298 was the best that they had played all tour. And I think I think that is probably true. Um, you know, a lot of, like we were saying, a lot of people will say it's the best of all time, but I think he was pretty fair with it. I think that's, uh, that's a good way to say it. They, it was probably definitely the best of their entire tour. You know, we, we can't be sure what the absolute 100 percent best of was and that'll change from person to person with different opinions but yeah i I buy that best of the tour for sure and it's again he said he used the word this nostalgia people are really nostalgic for that era and i'm gonna guess it's because pearl jam fans at that point were probably um they were young adults they weren't teenagers anymore uh they were able to go to shows on their own if they wanted to travel across the country uh they could they didn't have their parents holding them back they you know it was easier to do it at that time uh so i i I can see that now a lot of people are in their 40s still talking about the band or even in their 50s still talking about the band and this was a very important time for them because it made them feel young again you know and then i'll always go back you know the 2010 the 2013 tours i'll always talk about those tours as my favorite because i was you know mid, mid to mid to late 20s and um i just have really fond memories of you know going out and and I was single, so I didn't have to, you know, uh, I just went out, drove myself to Buffalo, uh, getting a ticket a week before the show and decided this was, I was going to do it because I, I missed the band and I wanted to, you know, it's just, uh, and I'll always hold that show with such a special memory because of that. So that, I think that might be similar to the way that people, uh, see, the 98 tour and maybe around that era so 
Um, all right, public service announcement. We'll get into it and then we'll uh, close it out. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know... Who you are. Uh, just to reiterate that, uh, again, reach out to us if you have good stories, if you have shows that you want to hear us cover. You know, we've been doing a lot of shows and we have a lot more to do. That's all we're going to do. So, uh, you know, at some point we're probably going to hit a lull where we're like, we have no idea what to do this week. And you're you know your suggestions are going to help us uh pick something out so you know write us an email let us know what you want it doesn't even have to be in depth it can just be you know uh hey have you guys thought about doing this and i'll i always write i write back to everybody or matt will write back one of us will write back so uh you know we just want to hear your stories because it's just fun to to talk to you guys so you know um uh what else do we have anything else good uh patreon exclusive episode will be coming uh we were going to release one next week because as a uh as an apology apology. (laughs) (laughs) uh but we might just uh we might just release it next week as a thank you to all of our fine patreon donors that uh still you know from the beginning have uh have donated to us monthly and uh and from that, you know, we give we give them exclusive content, and um, you guys actually voted on Facebook, and we will give you the next Patreon episode to be VH1 Storytellers from, I believe that was 2006. That sounds right. Sounds good to me. Yeah, so uh, that will be the next Patreon exclusive episode. When it'll be released, it'll be a big secret, and then it'll be revealed, and then... Those of you who are on Patreon and and uh, and subscribe to us on Patreon will uh, will be able to get another episode. So, um, I think that's going to be awesome. Uh, not only that, but look, we're always lo- looking for more feedback from people. And uh, if you're if you subscribe to us on iTunes, feel free to uh, give us a good old star rating and uh, write us a comment. Let the people know what you think. Uh, there are people that go in and they still to this day will search Pearl Jam in the podcast area on iTunes and you'll get a lot of stuff that pops up now. We are five shows. Uh, <laughs> there are five podcasts out there. Uh, we're currently working on something kind of special to uh, uh, to make it easier to to follow the five shows and kind of cross promote everything. And we'll talk about that at a later date. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there are currently five Pearl Jam podcasts and you should listen to every single one of them. Uh, there's us. You shouldn't listen to us. 
because you know why why would you do such a thing uh there's single podcast theory obviously there's the porch uh they're up and coming i think they're they're just starting to get in a really good groove um and we are actually going to have jesse from the porch podcast on at some point in the future so we don't know when but it'll happen uh then you have better better band uh it's um it's kind of like porch porch will do uh song meanings and break down lyrics and break down uh you know song uh you know what the song means to them uh better band will do it by album they are releasing album by album uh and if you listen to the first episode i'm the first episode so i i do once with with brendan on that and that was a a really fun episode that i don't think i got to let him talk though any any of the time so uh actually just subscribe to it perfect awesome (laughs) so and then the fifth one i believe is the wish list uh uh podcast and they're doing a lot of stuff more kind of related to what the band is doing uh they react to stuff like uh you know the 10 club newsletters and things like that so uh i think that just started last uh this past week so there's a lot of stuff yeah there's a lot of stuff and you know hopefully we're in the thick of it and hopefully everybody's you know listening to everybody so uh it's gonna be great um anything else no i don't think so how about for next week yeah i gotta start listening to that (laughs) Yeah, that 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 one that we have that planned. One that we have to that one that we have to decide on. <laughs> <sighs> this is probably the first time that we are going to sit here and say, you know, coming up next week, TBD. We don't know yet. Um, if Steve gets back to us and says he can record with us next week, we're going to do Greensboro 2000. Uh, if he doesn't, we could potentially do two others. Or we can get another guest on uh, that we've been wanting to get on, but I don't want to reveal the guest yet in, ca- in case he can't uh, record with us next week. So um, it'll be something, and you'll enjoy it if you're enjoying this podcast. Yeah, it'll either be one of two people or neither of them, and then we're going to have to find a completely different show to cover. And as long as as long as I'm not stuck in an airport, we'll have an episode. There you go. So uh, I promise you that. But that's all we got for today. Uh, keep following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have you know lots of fun stuff uh, that we share on all those pages, and you know, and keep uh, keep the conversation going, and let us know what you think. Live on Four Legs Podcast at gmail.com. So it may be the end, we're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. For Matt and Randy, this has been the second of our MSG in the MSG series, and I hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next time. Bye. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going, I'm on my way I'm taking my time, but I don't know where Goodbye to Rose and the Queen of Corona See me and Julio down by the schoolyard See me and Julio down by the schoolyard